Yo, yo, what up, everybody? It's Nick Caputo, the creator of the Caputo Method of Holistic Ease. This is the Grub from the Garden podcast, episode 14. This is being aired live with my boy Rob. What up, Rob? Good to have you on here, bro. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we we planned this for a while, but, you know, life gets in the way and, and, you know, can't do much about it. But, yeah, thank you for having me on. For sure, bro. Yeah, divine timing tends to be fashionably late. For sure. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So the topic, guys, that we wanted to get into today for you guys is uh, social media versus reality with um, not not so much of like the vague um, like concept of that, but more so like a specific application of that, like the difference between understanding something from social media, like intellectually and actually understanding it from your own experience. And for both of us having decent sized platforms, talking about concepts that are pretty um, out of the box as far as like the masses are concerned, we have audiences that tend to Um, form opinions and, uh, you know, concepts for themselves based on the stuff that we teach and speak about. So we kind of just want to note the difference of, you know, listening to what we say and understanding what we say, and then actually like applying that to your life and learning from the application. So Rob, if you want to add to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So like, I've just noticed that, um, you know, there's a tendency to put people on a pedestal based off of what they put on social media and social media is kind of like a highlight reel, you know, not a lot of people are fully transparent on there as well. And, um, I just wanted to provide clarity because I get a lot of questions about, you know, this is specifically, um, for me, like building muscle on like a liquid diet. And I just want to be fully transparent and say, like, I didn't, I didn't put on muscle when I was, you know, doing liquids, I've been training since I was like 14. And so that that was kind of like something that was gradually, you know, I was able to put on the size that I did, not because of liquid. So I don't want people to just see that, you know, I'm fit. And then they're, they see that I'm doing like liquids. And then they automatically assume that you can do that. I'm not saying you can't. But that's just an example that I get a question about a lot. And I'm sure we'll get into, um, you know, the details of that. But yeah, I just wanted to come on here and just talk about like intellectually understanding something versus experientially, because that's something that's like, you know, six to seven chakra, like Ajna to Sahasrara. Like when you intellectually understand something, you're able to regurgitate it and you're able to, you know, speak about it. But until you experientially try something, um, it, it it's very difficult to really um, truly get that full feeling of what it means to go liquid or what it means to drive fast or what it means to do anything. Um, And a lot of people will do things just because um, they see that someone else is thriving and then, you know, they hop right into a fast and automatically assume that they're going to feel good. And like, I don't know about your first experience of fasting, but for me, it was it was brutal. Like I did. I started off. Yeah. Like I started off a three day water fast, like just right into it. I didn't prep for it. I didn't do anything. And it was brutal. And I'm looking online on these people that are like thriving, like no, no food, no water for a long time. And I'm like all right, there's something that I'm doing wrong. And then I think that's what's really important to touch on because if you're not going to um, really try something for yourself, um, it you can make up these stories of how you should feel based off of what you read instead of how you're actually feeling. And it's important to, you know, really touch on how you're actually feeling in this moment as opposed to what you're reading online. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you want to go into like your first experience of fasting. I'm sure people already know, but yeah, yeah mine there's a couple fine. things I want to add about it too. 
Um, so, I mean, I'm not, we're not actually also saying to just, like, go on a 60-day juice fast out of nowhere because, you know, you see us doing it on Instagram either. Um, you know, the experience will give you an understanding that is different from hearing our experience about it. But at the same time, I mean, when you see people like us or people, you know, anyone who's sharing information on Instagram, you also got to understand that Instagram is more or less a marketing platform. It's if you're looking to just learn everything you need to know on Instagram, you're not going to. And like, especially like, at least from my content, like I offer courses, I have a how to fast course and textbook and different things to like help you prepare. And I break it down into different levels so that you don't kind of do what I did and jump right into stuff you're not ready for and then end up going back and, you know, doing this like really like violent pendulum swing of trying to super detox and then like not being able to sustain it and then doing it again. And instead, like gradually, you know, gradually building up to what you're ready to do. Um, so, I mean, it's not to say that listening to someone else's experience doesn't have value. It can make your experience, um, you know, save you time and like despair of the difficulties of making those mistakes. But either way, some of them are going to be inevitable. You're going to fast for something that you're not ready for on this journey at some point, And you're going to binge. It's going to happen. And that's the only way that you can really know why you shouldn't binge after a fast. You know, I can tell you till I'm blue in the face, but you have to like do it. You have to make the mistake yourself to really like know. Yeah. And that's a big thing too. That was a really huge learning experience for me last year, especially because um, I was, I was practicing dry fasting and, you know, I was doing it like 20 hours a day, easing myself into it. Uh, I did a three day dry fast and that was okay. And all of that. And then I did my 16 day liquid. That was the first time I ever went over like 10 days liquids only. And um, I did, I binge like right after that. And, and honestly, at first I was like upset, but then I realized that you need to have that contrast to really, you know, know why you shouldn't do that. Because had I not done that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known really what it meant to um, binge. And like, I was just unaware of, you know, what that contrast felt like. And so I feel like that's a really big thing for me too, these days is like, you know, uh, the things that I say, I also practice the contrast of that, not practice it, but um, those things do come up. And I try to be fully transparent with all of that as well. Um, because, you know, I, I don't want to give people false expectations. And, you know, like you said, the, you know, social media is really like it, it is, you know, you want to hit the algorithm, right? So you post certain things and, you know, you want to make sure that people are reaching out, um, you know, for the right things and that you're reaching the right people. But at the same time, it's like some of that stuff could be tailored um, to not express the full truth. And, exactly. you know, that, and they only give you 2,200 yeah. characters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't exactly. explain everything you need to know about liquid fasting in three paragraphs. It's exactly. And, and that's why services are really important. That's why, you know, in order to sustain your services, obviously you have to reach a good amount of people and, you know, diving into um, the whole like marketing side, because I did like the past couple of years, I've been doing a lot of like marketing business and, and uh, e-commerce and things like that. So like, I know how the game works in terms of and like targeting audience. You've been pretty fucking successful. <laughs> Appreciate you. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely been a learning experience. And I, it's, it's crazy because, you know, you start, you, you take certain experiences and you can apply them to everything. So the trial and error experience that I went through, like e-commerce and marketing and all of that, it was the same trial and error, you know, that I went through like fasting. And I'm starting to see how everything's like interconnected and how you need to have those contrasts because those contrasts are like bumper rails. When you have those bumper rails, you know, you can get to the pins. And so it's, it's like that, that's kind of like how I'm seeing things before it was like, I would get emotional or something you know, when, when I do hit those bumper rails, but then I realized it's just putting me back in, in the right place. And so with that being said, like I do, 
I do get that, you know, um, the full truth isn't always going to be able to even be explained because of the, you know, character limit, but also because of um, just the, the algorithm, the, the psychological side, you know, you, you obviously want to promote your services, but you don't want to always talk about like how, you know, like the, the shitty feelings, you know, like, because that might yeah. turn people off, you know? So you're trying yeah. to like express this, this feeling Find of like how much, yeah, of how much joy you get. And like promotion yeah. at the same time. And or, I think like nowadays yeah. people are really tapping into that and they really, they really like authenticity because, you know, it, it's, it's easy to just go on social media and post your highlights, but it, it's, it's another thing to be like, you know, vulnerable and like just, just being completely honest because you know, that's going to affect your business. The eternal yeah. tower. And I mean, people, told. people buy exactly. from people, so they want to know who you are, you know? Mm. It's like yeah. you wouldn't want to take a course with me if you don't even know me and you don't know who I am. Like, why would you want mm -hmm. to learn from me? You mm -hmm. know, the more you show of yourself and your actual personal journey, you know, the more people are inclined to want to, um, you know, want to learn from you and your journey. Yeah. But at the same no, time, it can also, you know, you can only show so much about yourself on Instagram, you know, and that's yeah. a, like the main thing of like reality versus like social media. It's like, if you know me in life, like from real life, you know me a lot more or like, you know, me and you actually haven't ever met in person, mm. but like we've talked mm. on the phone a lot. Like, you know more mm. about me than most people on Instagram. For sure. And I mean, sure, yeah. there's things and probably vice versa, but I mean, there are things that like, you know, aren't relevant in my life to my Instagram. You know, the things that I advocate for, mm -hmm. like, you know, what I'm doing with my personal life is not really totally relevant. So, I mean, either way, like, it's not like you're ever going to show all of you on Instagram. It's not like anyone can show all of you on Instagram. Yeah. If I wake yeah. up one morning and I'm feeling like shit, the last thing I'm thinking about is let me post this and tell everyone. And I mean, yeah. that doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's like the last thing on my mind. I'm like, all right, what am I doing? I'm doing an enema. I'm doing something. I got to like get this right. I'm yeah, not, exactly. Like, thinking like, oh, let me go tell everyone because they're waiting to see how I feel this morning. Yeah. And, and a lot of social media is emotionally driven. Like people, people love, mm -hmm. you know, when, when things are polarizing and, and that's why like some of the content that we post is, um, you know, pe people like it just for the fact that it's, it's polarizing. And so sometimes we can get caught up in that polarization and we want to just post things that are like, wow, no one's ever talked about this or like, wow. And, and, and that could in itself, you know, um, sway our truth. And so, yeah, that's kind of like what I wanted to touch upon, um, here with, with being authentic in social media versus reality, because yeah, it, it's like, there's just a lot of, I don't know that, that I'm picking up on energy wise. There's just a lot of, um, especially lately, like, I feel like people are like, and you've talked about this, like demonizing things and like, because they assumed it was supposed to be a certain way, or they assumed you were supposed to be a certain way. And that kind of brings us into the topic of different like lifestyle choices that we've made um, in the past. And so, and currently, because I know a lot of our community, um, you know, is like on that liquid um, raw wave, and most of them are, you know, vegan, there are some that, um, you know, will eat and consume animal products. And so I kind of want to touch upon that too, because I want to be fully authentic and, um, you know, share my experience because maybe that'll, um, that'll help other people as well. So, um, Definitely. yeah, that I mean, I can just... that I wanted to talk about with you too on here. I forgot about that when we were like preliminarily talking. Um, yeah, yeah me and you have both been experimenting with the animal spectrum, mm. the animal side of the spectrum, as far as food goes. And, uh, we've both been experiencing some pretty cool things. So I definitely yeah. wanted to, you know, talk about that and share that on here. 
For sure. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can kind of start off and, and talk about like my journey and like, you know, what I've experimented with, and then you can kind of tune in and tap in and wherever okay. you want. Before, before we get into specifics, I do want to note, um, one thing, um, is that like, let's say I post something that's a little bit different than what I traditionally post, right? People t tend to like jump to conclusions and assume that everything else that I've posted, I don't believe more or I don't like practice anymore. So like, you know, just because I'm experimenting with raw milk and some eggs doesn't mean that I'm not in alignment with the breatharian path anymore. Doesn't mean that I'm not still on the breathwork. Doesn't mean that I still don't advocate for fasting. Doesn't mean that I still don't like fruit and green juice. Like all of those things are and herbs. You know, all that stuff is still here. This is just a new tool to the toolkit. And for some reason, people think that as soon as you start messing with animal products and you jump over that vegan fence or go out of that vegan box that like you throw the whole journey away. And mm. I mean, I can see how some people could draw those conclusions based on some people in the past who are like ex vegans that like speak against fasting and speak against like everything they ever taught. Um, I don't really see it that way, at least as far as my journey, like all I'm doing is adding a new tool to the toolkit, not throwing away the rest of the toolkit for mm. this new tool. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely resonate with that because for me, again, like we were talking about earlier is the contrast and, you know, I, for like the past six years, I was plant-based only. And, you know, I, I have a good feeling of what it feels like to be void of animal products for an extended period of time. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the only way for me to, you know, experientially understand and understand what it feels like, you know, is to have that contrast. And so for me, it was like, when I got my, I got SIBO back in like late 2018, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So that's, um, basically when you have an overgrowth in bacteria by your ileocecal valve, which is the valve that, um, connects your small intestine to the large intestine. So that was the neurons weren't firing properly and they were opening and closing at random times. So I would always alternate between like diarrhea and like constipation. And it was just bad. And that was like at the first, you know, my first, um, I guess thoughts of like even trying animal products because I was reading online, I didn't end up doing it, but I was reading online that people were, you know, consuming raw egg yolks and they were healing that. And, you know, me, because, you know, I was reading stuff online saying like, you know, the vegan path, path is the only path. And like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be consuming, um, you know, animal products at all. I kind of put that off to the side. And um, I eventually did, I don't want to say I cured uh, the SIBO through like extended fasting, but it definitely helped a ton. But there will always be moments where like, even if I'm, if I would consume like half of an orange, I'd be like, bro, like, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, I, I'm feeling bloated off of like, half an orange, like, and I'm seeing people like half my size eating like a ridiculous amount of, of fruit, and they're completely fine. So I'm like, all right, there's got to be something that, you know, I'm not doing right now. It's, it's either my gut bacteria or like something like that. And so, um, you know, when I saw you were consuming the uh, raw goat milk, and you know, you were talking about the infection in your foot, I was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to try at least, I want to try everything at least once. So I'm just going to try exactly. it. So I went to the, yeah, yeah. That, that's like my whole thing is like, try it at least once. I'd rather say, oh, well, then what if, and that's with everything in life. Um, I wouldn't. And I like to I speak on be, things that I know. Like, yeah. how am I going to say don't eat animal stuff if I've never done the animal stuff? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm willing to take that, um, that risk because for me, it's like, I need that contrast. Otherwise I'm going to be, you know, always saying what if. And so. Yeah, and I only um, trust my own science. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, and- I am the scientist. I need my own trial and error for me to actually believe shit. Because there are so yeah. many things that I've believed from other people over time, whether it's from Taylor or Arnold Errett or Dr. Sebi or like a lot of these dudes that like I used to be like, this is fact, undeniable. And then like through my own experience, kind of proven myself wrong in those beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's not to say that none of these, none of those people have anything real in their philosophy, which they, they very much do. But um, a lot of, you know, the the law, like thinking that what, what you learn from someone else is absolute, like universal truth is just like, not, not it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing you're, you're intellectually, you know, understanding someone else's truth, but you're not experientially understanding your own. Um, exactly. So that, that's kind of like, it all ties back into like, just self experimentation and, and what works best for you. And um, that's been like a huge, a huge lesson for me, because now like, I don't do it. But I know I can eat. I've done it a few times where I just eat a ridiculous amount of fruit just to see where I'm at. And it's, it's actually crazy. Like I, I feel no, no bloating, nothing. And this was just incorporating the raw, uh, the raw milk. So that, that just tells me that, you know, something with my gut bacteria or something was just like not allowing me to just consume, um, fruits specifically, um, in large quantities without me feeling like ass. And now, uh, you know, I can eat bowls and bowls of like blueberries, strawberries, and like, I'm totally straight and I can still do my Nali Kriya. Like it's, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. So it's making me rethink everything that, you know, I thought I knew about, uh, gut bacteria because like I've gone through it. Like I've, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say like, um, it's, it's the path, but, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life is just consume these things. But it's just, like you said, um, another tool in the kit to just experiment with that and really get that contrast because otherwise, you know, you can, you can hear about how you shouldn't consume raw milk, how you shouldn't consume raw meat, um, organs and things like that. But how do you know that you shouldn't, it, it's just like, it, is it because it's written on a piece of paper or because you experientially felt that, you know, you shouldn't be consuming that. And that's also, it ties in with intuition too. Like, obviously if, if you're, you know, if you're truly feeling that you're not supposed to eat it, then don't eat it. But me personally, it's just, um, I felt a calling to it. I needed to have that contrast. And so I kind of tapped into that realm and I'm honestly grateful for it. Like another thing that really kind of geared me towards that was, uh, consuming locally because I realized a lot of things that I was consuming when I was, um, you know, vegan was, um, like it was just out of the country or just like, yeah, it just wasn't local. So it wasn't even sustainable. And I'm over here preaching like self-sustainability and obviously breath is the highest form of sovereignty. Like we know that. Um, but you know, I, I want to be able to, you know, like not impact, you know, what, whatever it is, like, I don't, I don't want to impact, um, people's energy because they have to now, you know, cultivate these things and transport around the world and all these things, just because, you know, I'm, I'm against, you know, consuming, um, certain things. So that, that's like another thing that really geared me towards trying to consume locally, because, you know, when, when I do consume something, um, I want to make sure that, you know, there's, it's just not impacting other, um, how should I say this? Like there's not as much of an impact, um, in in terms of like transportation and environmental reasons and, and like all these things. So, um, yeah, that, that was kind of, I don't know if that kind of geared you towards that, but that was, that was another part of it for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for the whole, you know, eating local thing. And I mean, 
from the beginning, even when I first did like advocate for like veganism or whatever you want to call it, you know, a main thing that was always like a trending topic in all of my content was let's stop supporting the corporatocracy. Let's stop funding major corporations that mass produce anything. I was even, you know, even when I was on the breatharian, you know, I mean, I still am, but even when I was like highly promoting breatharianism, my main argument was that all the food is mass produced and it's most, you know, the, everything that you buy at the grocery store is basically fake food. And I still agree with that. Um, really sure. local food that's grown by local farmers or, you know, local people is really the only way to get the realest food you could get. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, as far as like, you know the whole kind of like hypocrite concept goes how like you know basically everybody who's saying not to do anything is a hypocrite like the whole veganism like moral high ground like pe moral pedestal bullshit is like all hypocritical because and i realize this in myself too like okay i'm saying like you know you should be self-sufficient and everything is you know all within you and you know we shouldn't support you know factory farming but then we're supporting factory farming of plants and i'm buying mangoes from whole foods in january like this just doesn't make sense so, mm -hmm. you know, a big part of that was that. And I mean, when I'm back in Jersey in the winter, there is no fruit that grows here unless I'm getting frozen blueberries that grew in the summer from a local place. That's really the only fruit that I'm getting here that's local. So mm -hmm. right now, pretty much that's the only fruit that I eat. It's like berries um, Same. that are frozen from the summer and everything else is pretty much just the raw dairy. And that's, you know, what's been around. I, I would say the staple of my diet right now is milk. I'm just drinking raw goat milk, like a half gallon a day minimum. And that's just like the staple of my diet. In mm. addition to that, I'm just messing around with raw duck eggs. Probably have like five or six of those a day on average. And then like a couple pieces of raw cheese. I like to take like a little piece before I eat or drink anything. Mm. Um, I just feel like everything digests better when I do. So, I mean, overall, what I would say with the local thing is like, you know, that's what I'm eating because I'm here. And when I was in Nicaragua, like not even a month ago, all I was eating was fruit and raw eggs because that's all I had. The lady, the lady next door, like right down the street from my house in Nicaragua had her own chickens and they were running around and they weren't de-beaked and they were eating fruit scraps. You know, she was like a fruit, she had a fruit stand and just like the chickens were around eating the fruit scraps and shit. Mm. Like, you know, when you buy a fruit there, like, you know, you eat like the banana, you throw the peel, the chickens are eating it or like whatever. Um, so... I was like, okay, I'll have some, I'll have some of those eggs. And she's like, yeah, son de mi amores. Like, you know, like she loves those chickens. Like they're like her loves. They're like her children. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, these chickens get love. They're running around. They're eating fruit scraps. Like I'm totally, I'm totally about this. I'll eat these. And you know, they're local. The chicken lives right there. Like I literally can see it running around mm -hmm. and you know, the fruits are, are local too. So, I mean, what's, what's local is what I eat. So when I'm in the tropics and fruit and coconuts and, you know, maybe raw eggs or like whatever is kind of the best stuff that's available local, that's what I'm going to opt for. And I mean, yeah. I guess it also depends on how I'm feeling and what I'm doing. Like for those of you who, you know, follow me pretty extensively on Instagram and know what I'm up to lately, how I hurt my foot on the dirt bike in Nicaragua and now I had to take antibiotics um, for the infection so it could heal quick. I um, now am kind of on a different route. I'm more so leaning towards kefir and more so leaning towards the fermented stuff again, like I was when I was trying to fix the bacteria from the athlete's foot stuff back in the day, like, you know, a couple months ago when I first got on the dairy wave. So, I mean, there are different times for things and different, like, you know, reasons to apply different things. And this is why, like, on Instagram, you can't really give someone, like, a blanket statement. Because, like, I've never had two clients that I recommended the same exact thing for. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've recommended drinking pee to, like, 
a million people, but like, that's not the only thing I've recommended to them. And like, you know, even then, like some people I recommend doing it at specific times or using it in different ways. And it's like, it's, it's so specific to the person. And even for myself, you know, I've done specific things for specific times and never done really one thing consistently forever. Yeah. And I, I think that's huge too, is like, you know, it's good being consistent so that you can get a real, a, a good feel of what it is that, you know, you're experimenting with. Like when I went plant-based, I, I, I was plant-based for like three or four years before I even was telling people like, you know, what, like giving advice, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's like, and this is something that like, for me too, with animal products, like incorporating back in, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, recommend you do any of that. It, it's like, I'm sharing my experience. This is what I did. This is what it's helped me with. Um, and you know, you, you can choose to do what you want to do with that, you know, that knowledge, because, you know, the only way to acquire wisdom is to apply the knowledge. And so, um, you know, that, that's what I really, honestly, that's what I use social media for. Like when I'm listening to other people is just to gain that knowledge and then, you know, choosing what I want to apply, uh, and creating wisdom out of that. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say, say you should from, or shouldn't. For, yeah. From Instagram, I would say, I just go for ideas. I just look yeah. for things to look into further. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and it's like, um, you know, the whole thing that I'm kind of experimenting with now is, um, you know, uh, CO2 and, you know, um, a lot of exhales and, and doing things on exhales. Um, it's, it's something that I did during my, there's a practice called Angamardna and basically you do exhale pushups there. And I noticed, you know, after you do that, there's like a certain kind of high that you get when, when you're, Definitely. when you're doing those kinds of things. And so, you know, I kind of fell off of that practice and was just doing like other random random stuff, um, with, with breath and, and, you know, it's, it's something that, yeah, like you said, to get ideas from and, and like not take as the Holy gospel truth. It's just like, you know, take, take what you want, experiment with that and see how it applies to your life. What benefits, what, um, what doesn't benefit you and, and kind of going from there. So yeah, that that's true. Like definitely getting, um, definitely getting ideas in that sense. So but, and understanding um, yourself, like the more experience you get, the more you understand when to use what. Yeah. And it, it's like just adding things to your toolkit. So exactly like, like you mentioned before, it's just like, you know, how do you know this isn't going to benefit you? Or how do you know this is going to be a detriment to your health? Um, you know, like I you mean, you can't intuition. use a hammer and a screwdriver at the same time. Yeah. Each tool yeah. has its own time and place. When you have a screw, you use the screwdriver. When you have a nail, you use the hammer. When you need, when you're constipated, you fast. When you, you know, need bacteria, you drink kefir. You know, like certain things, like when you have yeast overgrowth, you 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 pound the bacteria. You know, when you mm -hmm. have different problems, you use different tools. When you yeah. when you need different solutions, you use different means. Exactly, exactly, and and that you know, um, I think you and Ketzel were talking. About, that's his name, right, Ketzel? Yeah, Ketzel. Yeah, you guys were talking about like high vibration and low vibration, and like how there's an application for both. Like you don't always want to be um, high frequency, um, and, and you don't always want to be low frequency. Like there's a time and place to apply all of these different things, and you know, I think that ties into you know subjective truths as well because some people will deem consuming animal products, low vibrational or low frequency. And some, um, you know, some see past that and, and they're just kind of looking at, um, 
what you're emitting from within and not allowing the external to determine your, um, you know, internal, internal frequency and internal vibration and what you're resonating with and, um, you know, what you're expressing at the time. So, um, yeah, that, that's just something that I've been keeping in mind too. It's just like the, the importance of the application of where you're at. And like, it, it's a, like, if you're at the point where you've done, um, you know, a lot of fasting and, you know, you can give yourself space to experience density again. Like you need that contrast. Um, I, I shouldn't say you need it, but it's definitely beneficial to have that contrast because I mean, you're going to give um, it to yourself anyway. It's kind of inevitable. Yeah. Everything yeah. always comes in waves, no matter what exactly. spectrum you're, you're observing. Exactly. And, and that's something that's been a huge lesson for me too. Um, with all of this is just like, um, you know, accepting where I'm at and also, you know, forgiving myself for things that, um, I used to be hard on myself for, you know, what up, Fab? Definitely. <laughs> Fab. <laughs> character. My <Not> ninja. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're cool with it, there's, I, I have a ton of questions that people were wanting to ask us and we can kind of go through that. I don't know if you got, is there anything else you wanted to tap into before we did, before we did Let that? Let me think for a sec. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's an interesting thing. I might as well just say that. Um, when it comes to like people saying um when they talk, I think it's super interesting. It's kind of like an ohm. It's like you make that sound and kind of just like ring your nervous system with like that vibration to mm -hmm. like tap tap you back into like thinking about what you were thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of returns you to that space. Yeah, I, I noticed that I always and we use go it like, as like mm -hmm. a negative thing. You know, yeah. we like demonize the um in between words, but it's like it's kind of useful. Yeah, it's a tool. It's a tool. Exactly. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, that's super interesting too. Cause yeah, I've, I just noticed that I'll either go like, um, or mm, I'll do a lot. I'll do a lot mm. of that, especially when something resonates. Mm, mm, yeah. Definitely. Like a you're lot like, of that. You're like vibrating it in. You're like setting yeah. the, laying the foundation for that. that to like get accepted. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, another thing I wanted to mention on this topic is demonizing things. Isn't the only, um, for lack of a better word, problem. Mm. Um, mm. idolizing is the extreme on the other side of the spectrum that a lot of us don't acknowledge either. So, I mean, a big thing with, <laughs> um, <laughs> like when it comes to us, like putting us on a pedestal or like putting someone on a pedestal that you see yeah. online or that you're following their journey, like you don't want to idolize things either. Like so many people idolize Dr. Sevy or idolize Arnold Eret or idolize like me or idolize Taylor and like, or you and whoever it's, it's just as detrimental as, as demonizing something. And I mean, basically everything is you, right? So everything is reflecting you and everything is reflecting necessarily, I guess, parts of you, you know, like nothing, none of your reflections are actually the entire you. They're just reflections of parts of you. It's like looking at like a mirror. That's like, you know, like a bunch of, like a room full of mirrors. Each one is kind of like, it's, they're all you, but none of them are all of you. You know, like mm. a two-dimensional mirror can never show all three-dimensional you with all of your emotions mm. and feelings and thoughts. Like, it can never do that. So, the same thing with, like, other people and other things in your life, right? Nothing can actually reflect all of you back to you, but things reflect parts of you back to you. And I guess the entire collective reflection of you would be, like, the whole world. So, the universe as a whole is the complete reflection of you. Maybe. Um, <laughs> and basically, like... We, when we demonize something outside of ourselves, we are essentially 
demonizing a part of ourselves. And when we idolize a part of ourselves or idolize something externally, we are basically not allowing space for us to be accepting other parts of us. So this is kind of like, you know, where we get pride, like lusting for the idea of yourself or lusting for like the physical body, like your own physical body. And this is where, um, you know, kind of leads to everything else, you know, as far as insecurities and like a lot of diseases stem from these original like feelings and emotions and identifications with the physical body. So a lot of this is really, you know, you're idolizing yourself. You're idolizing your physical body. You're idolizing the idea of yourself even. Mm. And this is something that doesn't allow you to be open to other tendencies or other potentials that you have. And in my opinion, from my experience on this journey for as long as I've been on it, I really see balance in all spectrums being ideal, but really just being open to the fluctuations of every spectrum. So it's not necessarily striving to only stay in the middle of every spectrum at all times, because that's what's the point of life if you're doing that. The oneness is not experiencing anything without the illusion of separation. You know, the realization can occur without the illusion. So, you know, that contrast is necessary for everything. Mm. We need to experience the density to experience the not density. You know, you need to know what white is to know what black is. You know, you need all of this to actually know that anything is anything. So when we demonize one thing, we're not opening ourselves up to, to seeing the potential in it. So now I'm at the point now where instead of like demonizing like any type of things, I'm really at the point of just seeing what the useful applications of those things are. And, you know, realizing that nothing is applicable in every scenario always, and nothing is never applicable for anything. Unless mm. it comes from a company owned from Insana. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is like the only that is the only thing I'm not budging on. If For you sure. are eating processed shit from a company that is owned by that company, it's not good. I will never say it's good. But sometimes I, I actually will turn that around. I'll never recommend that as something that's gonna benefit us, but sometimes doing something that doesn't benefit you will teach you a lesson that benefits you. It's the contrast. So I wouldn't even say that it's that bad either. You know, I'm not gonna say like I don't like you, fuck you if you eat granola bars. You know, like it's, that's not the case. It's like, you know, if you eat granola bars, you're going to, you're going to learn a powerful lesson potentially if you're observant and aware, um, you know, doing, doing those things with awareness and kind of like analyzing yourself and the way you mm. feel, you'll learn a lesson from doing that anyway. So even yeah. then, like, I wouldn't even demonize that and companies like Monsanto and the corporatocracy exists to show us what we don't want or what we want. Some people want to yeah. want to play into the matrix and want to play into the, the corporatocracy. And some of us don't. And it's there to show us, you know, what side of us we want to tap into. It's like you have the potential to be anyone. You have the potential to be a pedophile. You have the potential to be jacked. You have the potential to be a drug addict. You have the potential to be whatever you want to be. And mm. we all embody all of that, or we all can choose to embody whatever parts of that collective we want, but they're all us. They all show us every other person, whether you like them or not, is showing you a part of you that you could potentially be. Like I said, the whole cosmos yeah. the whole universe is yeah. the reflection of you of the whole you so like if you don't like anyone or you don't like anything it's just showing you the parts of you that you don't like or that you don't want to embody and that's the beauty of the human experience you know you can choose who you want like what you want to embody what parts of you you want to show mm -hmm. to the world or show to yourself you know mm -hmm. you're you're the movie, you're the actors, you're the script writer, you're the director, and you're the you're the viewer. So it's like right you on. get to play every role. So you get to decide what goes where in your human experience. You know, you get to decide who you hang out with, who you spend your time with, what food you eat, what experiences you give yourself, what lessons you learn, whether it's the easy way or the hard way. Like whatever it is, it's all pretty much in your control. 
whether mm. you realize it's in your control or not. Yeah, right on. And whether yeah, that... you're aware, that's really all it comes down to. Do everything with awareness and you'll learn everything you need to know. Observe everything. Mm. I mean, that's the scientific method, right? You know, fuck around and find out. But I mean, the legit scientific method, the way they describe it is form a hypothesis, come up with an idea. Think about the potential of something happening when, when you do something, right? Then you test the hypothesis and observe, right? So you do the thing, you fuck around, and, you know, you see what's good with it. You observe what happens. You know, you eat the granola bars, you, you eat the Doritos, and you see what happens to your body. You observe. You feel like shit. You get heartburn. You sleep like shit. You wake up with a dry mouth, whatever. And then you analyze the observation, and you draw conclusions. So you say, okay, Doritos make me feel like shit. I'm not going to eat them anymore. Or, you know, Doritos tasted really good and I felt like shit. Maybe I'm going to eat them like 10 more times to really realize that the downside is not worth the, the, the upside. You know, like sometimes you have to learn the same lesson over and over again, too. So Yeah, they, they come in different cycles. Good. Yeah, it's all good. Different shapes, different forms, different cycles. And, you know, like if, if you're if you're gluttonous in one thing, you know, you're going to be that's going to come back around in another way, like wh whatever that is. And that's a big thing with like just to tie that into like business and, and like money. It's, it's, it's crazy how, you know, if, if you're like hungry for food all the time, you'll be hungry for money. And when you have a certain amount, you'll be hungry for more. And it's, it's about finding that balance of literally everything because you'll, no matter what you decide to, you know, um, journey on, you know, whatever you decide your path is, um, you're going to have the same lessons of gluttony, of lust, of all of that. Um, they're just going to be shown in different ways. And so that's why, like, I'm, I'm learning from it. Like I can learn about fasting from someone who doesn't spend money. I don't know if that makes sense. Like it's, it's like you, you learn certain lessons just by observing people. And so, you know, you can, you can choose whether, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and that, and it's, it's huge because when you start looking at it that way, um, you start to realize that everyone is your teacher, like wh whether they're teaching you what not to do or whether they're teaching you what to do, everyone's your exactly. teacher. And so that was like a really big thing when I took, um, I took like a seven gram psilocybin mushroom, um, like last year sometime, but it was basically what it was showing me was, summer we were talking about it. Cause that was yeah. right around when I, when I started getting back into shrooms. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. We were going to go actually on a live and talk about that, but then we were, you know, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was interesting. Those are interesting times. It was actually a little bit before that, but it was showing me, um, basically it was showing me that like, um, I went, I, I left this vessel, right. And I was experiencing, um, whatever people want to call source spirit, whatever, um, that experience is to you. I was just experiencing the oneness of all. And it, it began showing me what boredom was and it began showing me why it created breath and why it created life. And it was to distract ourselves from being the only ones here. And so it started creating all of these different experiences so that we could learn from. And, you know, as much as we want to return to source, we, you know, we'll do it when it's our time and, you know, making that your only goal to return back to source, you'll get back to that point where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm everything. And that could get really lonely. That could get really lonely. And so, you know, it was just showing me that like breath was created to create um, time so that, you know, each breath is like equivalent to, you know, a certain duration um, here. And so it, it was like, you know, it was like a distraction from being alone. It started off with breath. And then with breath came other curiosities. Um, and, you know, all of these curiosities were just here so that we could learn what it meant to contrast source, 
what it what what is the opposite of oneness and you know dualism arrived and now we have all of these hot and cold positive negative uh, masculine feminine and there's all these different beautiful things that we can tap into and that we can you know learn from and you know at the end of the day we're always like oh we want to return back to source we want to return back to spirit but spirit and oneness wants to you know keep exploring itself through curiosity and through um being adventurous and playful and so that's something that like really you know really opened my mind up to just be open to things like really try to find how is this how is source being reflected through this how is how can i learn about the contrast of oneness through this dualistic experience how can i look at the polarities of all of these things and experience all of them so that i know what i was you know what source was trying to you know experience how can i help assist source myself uh, the most high how can i you know be part of that process and how can you know we learn from each other and so that's been like that's been like huge for me is just like not being demon and that ties back into not demonizing things because i realized that you know even while i was even while i was plant-based it was like i would see people that were just straight carnivore and i would love them i would appreciate everything that they're saying because i'm learning i'm i'm seeing what the contrast is i'm seeing what kind of lifestyle that brings and you know i know source and you know the most high appreciates me observing that as opposed to demonizing that because when you're demonizing something you're living in a state of giving um certain kinds of frequencies to that certain um you know action or whatever it is experience um lesson and you're you're kind of like being resistant to the teachings of of whatever um whatever that experience is so that's that that was just like huge something i wanted to like throw in there because when you were talking about um all of that it, it just that came to mind of just like appreciating that like you know we will return back to source when it's our time but you know right now just appreciate the things and the experiences and the lessons that are in our lives because you know once once we're back at that source we're going to be lo we're going to you know we are everything but that can be really lonely and i know um i know a lot of people have experienced that too and i'm sure you have um even through breath work you know you get to that point where you're like out of body and you're like oh like what is this and then you know all of a sudden a state of like almost like fear like uncertainty comes and then you're like all right, focus back on breath. I remember I created breath so that it would kind of distract me from being alone. It was just like a whole, it's a whole like trip. It's literally a whole trip. And that's why like, I, I actually didn't do holotropic breathing until uh, last year or maybe the year before that. I think I saw one of your, one of your videos, the, um, it was like the, I'm not sure exactly what it's called, but it's 30 breaths in and out, hold at the top. And then I, I literally pass yeah. out every time I do it. And it's just, I did it this morning. Yeah. I did it this morning. I was like, bro, today's going to be a good day. <laughs> today's going to be, you know, you just leave the body and, you know, you come back in, you're like, oh shit, there's more to life. Let me like that. That's going to come when it needs to come. And then, you know, you're, you come here in this experience and you're like, damn, like I'm really out here. Like, this is crazy. It's just, it's so gnarly. It's so gnarly. So I'm actually super grateful that, you know, you, you shared that. And that's the benefit of social media, right? You, you learn things and, you know, you, you just, uh, you experiment with it and, and all that. Definitely. Yeah, I really like what what Ketzel said in the that's... comment just now. He said, "Demonizing anything becomes an excuse to not have to understand it." That is that's... that is a powerful statement right there. That's very yeah. true. And honestly, like with the animal products, that's something that definitely was the case for me. You know, demonizing it was an excuse for me to not understand it. And the more mm. that I came to understand it, like after I did that live with that vegan world order dude, I had a lot of you know guys that advocated for raw meat starting to follow me and starting to like low key give me information over time, and then. Over time, I was like, these guys actually have some pretty good information, um, yeah. at least like on the animal side of things. Like it's not so cut and dry. 
And a lot of people in the vegan world are unfamiliar with the idea that factory farming isn't the only way to interact with animals. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, as soon as they think about animal products, rape, murder, torture, you know, mm -hmm. factory companies, corporations, that's, you know, they associate animal products mm -hmm. with just that. And mm -hmm. that's not what, that, that's not the full spectrum. So it's kind of like, it is kind of like an ignorance to not understanding the full, um, you know, the full spectrum of the, the animal side of things as far as foods go. So that's, yeah, that's definitely a powerful concept. And back to what we were saying about um, the oneness, you know, experiencing the duality, the duality is still the oneness, mm. you know, it's just one breaking itself up into two halves and mm -hmm. experiencing itself by having fun, you know, with, with its contrasting reflections, you know, it's, you know, the, the nothingness can be the everythingness simultaneously. But if you just focus on the fact that it's nothing, you never get to, you know, you're ignoring the fact that it's also everything. Yeah. And I mean, the nothing and the everything also have their benefits. You know, it's not to say that even going into the oneness and doing the breath work and, and leaving the body is, is bad either, because it's really fun. Anything that's done in excess or in an imbalanced manner will bring us out of, you know, out of bliss, out of fun. You mm -hmm. know, when you do the breath work, you know, for a period of time every day, you know, once a day or twice a day, you know, you're not like only sitting and doing breath work every day for like the rest of your life. You know, when you do it occasionally, which can be every day, but you know, on occasion, you are um, having fun with it, you know? And then when you, when you try to make it like your whole life and you demonize everything that's not breath work, you know, then the breath work becomes not fun anymore because mm. it's too much. You get bored of mm -hmm. it. You're like, I'm forcing myself to do this, and I don't want to do it anymore. But like, yeah. you know, after you after you work out, or you do something, and you do breathwork because you want to. That breathwork is so fucking good because you want to do it, because you're not overdoing it. And then the same thing when it comes to anything else. When it comes to eating, you know, if you're overeating, then you know the eating becomes a problem. If you're mm -hmm. eating in in cycles and rhythms and patterns, then that's fine. You know, you eat, you fast, you eat, you fast. You go in waves. That's what I always say. That the, the cycle, it always, it's always in cycles. So everything is in phases. Even the way that I eat, like you know how I said, you were saying before, how you do try to eat as consistently as possible, but there's nothing that you do forever. And that's mm -hmm. you know that's the nature of cycles. You know, like in winter, nature is doing winter the whole time, and mm -hmm. then it decides to switch and do spring the whole time, and then it switches mm -hmm. to summer the whole time, and then fall the whole time. So it's like it is doing things consistently but not consistently forever. It's constantly consistently switching what it's doing consistently, cyclically, mm -hmm. perpetually. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there's a time and place, time and place for all of it. And yeah, exactly. Bob, that, that, that definitely is like, yeah, an inner body experience and outer body. Like for me, it's, it's the same thing. When I, when I say outer body, I just mean, like, you know, the universe experiencing itself, um, you know, that's it just the universe experiencing like itself directly. and then yeah. you know inner inner you know the inner body is me experiencing the universe so it's just like as above so below as within so without so it's just like there's there's definitely um you know it, it's two sides of the same coin it's just how your perspective of how you want to look at that yeah and this is a topic that i actually discussed with my students in brother boot camp in the most previous wave um the difference between inner body and outer body experience you know saying that you don't resonate with out-of-body experiences, but you resonate with inner-body experiences is only accepting one side of the spectrum. And there are both, mm -hmm. you know? Me looking at this screen, looking at Rob right now, 
is an out of body experience. I'm experiencing something that's out of my body. <laughs> you know, I'm experiencing me going outside and looking at a tree that's out of my physical body. That's an out of body experience. Mm. Everything in the physical world is an out of body experience. The inner body experiences are the stuff when you go in. Now we've mm. also uh, we also discussed in that class um, the difference with when astral projection is internal and external, and you can kind of decipher this based on time. So if we look at the spectrum of things, um, you know, the concept of life being self similar fractal theory, you know, where like the tip of your finger can be an entire universe. And then that earth itself is a cell of a larger organism that is on earth, which is part of like, you know, everything is like self-similar on the macro and micro scale. So we're inside of a macro organism, which is inside of another macro organism and vice versa inside of every single one of our cells is an entire universe. So mm. with that concept, you know, as you go on the smaller scale, time is relative to size. So the smaller you go, right, like the life cycle of one of your cells can only be a couple hours or can be a day or two. And that life cycle of that one cell from its perspective is an entire lifetime. It is eternity, essentially. It is like the billions of years that Earth has been around. Earth is one cell of an organism that is dying in one day of its perspective. So as you go bigger, time is essentially um, like slower and then as you go smaller time is moving faster so when you astral project inside of you right you're going internal into your body somewhere you'll notice that it feels really long like you were in like you were somewhere for like a really long time and then you come out and it's only been like two minutes now when you astral project outward it could feel like you've been gone for two minutes and you've been gone for an hour mm. so that's really how you know whether you went in your body or out <laughs> the, yeah the time yeah, that's that's actually interesting. That's really interesting. Right? I didn't think about it like that. And this was just my perspective, just a theory that I came up with sure. based on me, you know, doing a lot of fucking breath work <laughs> yeah. over the years. That's what it comes down to. When you really connect with your breath, you you realize breath is spirit, and then you start, you know, just exploring what it what does spirit even mean, and you you start learning through the breath, um, because it does bring you back to that, um, back to that state. That's that's just beyond. It's like that passing it's out a state of observation. Or, I like yeah. to say, like, are are you passing out or are you passing in? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's how you tell. No, no. You know, sometimes sometimes you pass in, not out. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And that, that that's something that's like I don't know, just such a gnarly experience, experience, however you want to call it. Um, it's just experience. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's like Again, it's something that you don't fully like you can intellectually talk about what it what it means to like pass out, pass in and like all these different things. But until someone like actually feels that it, it's a whole different ballgame. And that's why, like, you know, the whole psychedelics thing is is an interesting topic, too, because, you know, there, there are a lot of people that have used that tool to tap into spaces to cure anxiety and things like that. And, you know, you can you can talk about those benefits and how it, it can help you but until you actually experience that it's it's just it's just next level because uh all of yeah all of my childhood pretty much i was i was pretty angry like i was pretty i shouldn't say pretty angry but i, I had a short temper like i it was like yeah i would just get pissed off these well whatever we want to call that because we know we know what that what that means Not right pissed on. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah like like just it just angry you know and I just, I realized that it was, it was a lack of connection with, with breath. And, you know, when I took the psychedelics, it brought me back to breath. And then that's what brought me back to the peace. It wasn't necessarily that the psychedelics went right to peace. It was, it was things that brought me back to breath that, 
that um, really made me just observe, um, observe my emotions, observe, um, you know, what it is that, you know, wasn't in alignment with what I was, you know, what I deemed to be um, peace. So um, that, yeah, that's like a huge, that's a huge learning experience for me. I'm trying to like read the chat and talk at the same time. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, it looks like people are talking about the raw. I feel like, the, yeah, like kind of like the meat thing. I mean, I, I let's generalize, I guess. Um, you know, we talked about the human experience kind of being about fun. Let's talk about like why we don't remember past lives in the beginning. It's because mm. the whole point is you're not taking anything with you from here on. It's the beauty of the experience. You get to start over. If you remembered things from every lifetime in the past, you would not have anything to accomplish or anything to learn. You would already know. So that's what the oneness is. If the oneness was always the oneness, there would be nothing outside of it to experience. So it has to break itself into fragmented versions of itself to experience the alternative reflections mm -hmm. of itself to re-realize the oneness. It's basically the breaking down and rebuilding construction and destruction in rhythm is what makes the whole thing fun. You know, I mean, it's, it's the whole nature of the experience. So um, what they were talking about in the chat about, you know, our upbringing being a great, um, you know, factor in the way that we view the world. I mean, yeah, this is a great point. We are here from what we experienced throughout our human experience from the time we took our first breath in this physical body. What is this physical body and this, you know, um, you know, this vehicle, whatever you want to call it learned in that time, because the mind is the body. They're the same thing. Your memory is your body. So since you, you can only remember what's in your body. And I mean, not to say that everything that's ever happened to any of your ancestors since the beginning of time isn't stored in your DNA and your body somewhere. You know, we have to put in the work and actually spend time to remember all of these things. But in the meantime, while we're in that process, we're also learning things in the physical now. So we're constantly evolving and, you know, epigenetics, like our genetics are constantly changing and we are basically like rewriting the code in our DNA at all times from what we experience. So it's not necessarily a bad or good thing that our upbringing determines the way that we view the world. It just is the way it is. And whatever the way that you were brought up to view the world is the way that you chose to. So it's cool, you know? And if someone else was brought up a different way, they chose to see the world differently from you. They chose to come into a timeline where they view the world in a different way than you do. And that's okay. You know, if we're demonizing the way that someone else sees the world, we're demonizing a part of ourselves. And basically we're just, not allowing ourselves like like Ketzel said we're making that as an excuse to not understand that part of the world or, or that part mm -hmm. of ourselves you know you can view the world yeah. as all sunshines and rainbows you know oh there's nature and fruit and birds and cycles and weather and it's beautiful or you can say there's pedophiles and they traffic children and fucking it's the CIA did 9-11 and whatever like whatever you want to say and just be on that side of the spectrum yeah. they're both the extremes and realistically there are both of those sides on earth and we yeah. can choose to view them however you want. But if mm. you see the full spectrum of everything and you allow yourself to get away from your conditioned mindset to view things in a certain way with a specific emotional like framework, you can see everything for what it is, and that is balanced. <laughs> there yeah. is all of all of the bad and all of the good, all of the light and the dark and whatever you know dualistic terms you want to use, all the masculine and feminine, whatever. It's mm. all in balance if you look at the big picture. And if you think that the world isn't balanced, you're only looking at a specific side of a spectrum, you know, yeah. you're, if you're viewing the world for everything that it is, you see that it's balanced. And if you don't see that it's balanced, 
you're not looking at the whole spectrum and that's okay too because that's part of the journey yeah. to seeing the full spectrum yeah yeah i was actually gonna add on to that too it's just like balance is is a is a never-ending process of like exploration you know you're, you're teeter-tottering and balance is like it, it's not just stillness it, it's 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 the process of reaching stillness it's like you know that there's zero point like it just doesn't exist one finite um one finite point at least here um in this dimension or whatever we want to call this 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 experience here runs on on the continual um cycles of of balance and and you know we create that balance through the exploration of polarity and so when we explore one side there's some there's some other energy whatever energy we give to one side the equal amount of energy is being given to the other side of, of that polar spectrum so it's just like it's kind of a gnarly you know thing to think about because Definitely. you know do we it, it makes you think like do we actually change things because you know we're giving thought to it or is it already changing because there's another side of of my reflection or whatever that's that's giving the same amount of energy to the other side and it's creating this dualistic experience here so I mean, it's, it's like both and neither yeah <laughs> you know? yeah exactly exactly it's just like you can go you go in circles just talking about that um forever yeah and like what fab's saying with like we're always balanced i mean it is like there is balance in imbalance like you like for example like inhaling and exhaling right breathing when you take on air you're now taking on some form of imbalance if you were already imbalanced somewhere in the middle of inhale and exhale mm -hmm. you know what i mean you're still fully inhaling and then mm -hmm. fully exhaling so you're still swinging the pendulum from one side to the yeah. other or you could say that you're fully balanced when there's nothing in you so that means you would fully fill up and then fully return and that means literally every breath you're taking you're choosing to to get as full uh, as out of balance as you could possibly get and then return to balance and experience the the relief that comes yeah. with that so i mean that is basically like a metaphor i love using breath as a metaphor for literally everything in life because it yeah. is so I mean, no matter what it is, like even when you eat food, right? When there's nothing in you and you're totally empty, you're completely balanced. You know, your hormone, everything is, mm. is the way that it's supposed to be. Total balance because your body has reached homeostasis because it hasn't had any external stimuli. As soon as you put a stimulus in, now you eat food. Now you're totally out of balance. Now everything has to compensate. Everything has to figure that out. Mm. And then you poop and you pee and you exhale and now you're back to balance. And that's the beauty of the experience. You got to experience that food, the text, the taste, the taste, the temperature, you know, the information, you know, that tree was sitting outside for months, listening to the wind and the cycles of nature and the ground and everything. And you basically just downloaded the software that is that song that the to, you got to experience all of that. But in order to experience that, you had to throw off balance and get back to returning to it. Otherwise, you would have never got the experience of that fruit. So the same thing goes for anything in life. You need to go out of balance to return to balance, to have fun in the process of doing exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely like they're saying in the chat, it's hard to define balance because balance is like, like what, what does balance mean to you? What, and what exactly are you talking about when you, when you say balance, it's like, is it, you know, when you've reached homeostasis is, is it when you're doing things to reach homeostasis or is it when you're coming out of it and coming back into it? Like what exactly is balance? The way I that think I think of it, yeah. the way, like when I say the word balance, what I think is an even exchange. So if you think of balance, yeah. right, let's, let's like a scale, right? There's two sides of the scale and they both have nothing on it, right? That's, mm. that's not bad. I mean, that's balanced, right? There's nothing on mm. either side. Both sides are even mm. right now. You can add stuff on both sides 
and it's still balanced. And then mm-hmm. you can add one thing on one side first and then put something on the other side to then balance it. So mm-hmm. the restoration of balance would be like balance as a verb, like restoring balance or balancing something. Yeah. And then yeah. balance itself is any way that things don't tip to one side. So, mm-hmm. you know, like like physical balance, you know, when you're running or when you're standing on a tightrope, you know, balance is not falling to one side. So the same thing with, I, I guess, anything in life, I would refer to balance as just even exchanges. So I wouldn't say like you need to nitpick and say, okay, I just ate, so now I'm imbalanced. And now I just pooped, so now I'm back to balance. I would say that that is accurate, but I think that it's not necessarily like like important to think of it in that detail every yeah. single time. It's kind of like yeah. if you look at the grand scheme of things, right? Everything is eventually going to balance itself out and it is already in balance because that cycle of unbalancing and rebalancing is always happening perpetually, whether we influence it mm-hmm. or not. Everything mm-hmm. that we do to throw something out of balance, something else is going to be done to restore it. So mm-hmm. it's not to say that we can't throw anything out of balance. You know, you eat salt, you're throwing stuff out of balance. You definitely mm-hmm. are. But that doesn't mean that balance can't be restored. So yeah. balance, I guess, in my opinion, like the way that I view a balanced life is kind of just being aware. I like This is really what I, what I put everything down to. Living life with conscious awareness and awareness of breath, you will find where things are leaning to one side and where they're even. And... Mm-hmm. Whether that's your exchanges with the amount that you give to people and the amount you get back, whether that's the amount of work you put into the amount of money you make, um, whether it's, you know, what you do in a relationship compared to what you get back in the relationship. It's all, you know, if you are striving to keep exchanges even, you can you can find balance in that. And the more aware that you are, like like Ketzel just said, of all of the cycles of existence, you realize that they are already balancing themselves, whether you try to or not. So like you can be aware and try to like manipulate balance for yourself, but either way, like you're going to find it eventually anyway. Yeah. Whether yeah, that I, is in death or during life, you know, some people yeah. don't really find their balance until, you know, it, they find that in death and some mm. people find it, you know, during life. And that's just, you know, based on your own personal will and your, your personal awareness, you know, and that's totally, you know, we have the capacity to do both. We have the capacity to ignore and we have the capacity to observe and be aware, analyze mm. and, you know, draw conclusions. So it's, it's all good. It's all, it's all, I mean, it's yeah. not even, I wouldn't even say good because that's saying like, it's not bad. It's all both. It's all everything. It, all is. it is. Everything is everything. It just is what it is. Yeah, exactly. And that's a, that's a beautiful way to put it too, because then it, it gives you the, you know, the option to just observe and not necessarily put um, a label on it and you, you accept it for, for kind of like what it is. And so, yeah, you mentioned, um, because I've got a lot of questions about um, salt specifically and like, uh, the ocean salt and being in the ocean. Cause I know you've been, uh, you've been in the ocean a good amount. And I wanted to ask you like personally, because like I told you, I was experimenting with, um, with sodium levels and, mm-hmm. uh, potassium levels as well and how that's affecting me. So like, uh, my question for you is, uh, when was the last time you experimented with like, um, like whether it is sea salt and what's that experience like to, uh, compared to like being in the ocean and absorbing it through your skin, because I'm under the impression that if you, you if mean, you like live by it? the ocean, what was that? Like what was like when was the last time I tried eating it? Yeah, yeah, like consuming okay. it. Yeah, yeah, and okay. because like f- for me, my experience, um, you know, or my understanding is that you know if if you live by the ocean or if you're swimming in the ocean, you're absorbing it through either the breath or the skin, 
And so when you're living, you know, out here in Chicago, you're not getting a lot of that um, salt in the air and you're not getting it. You, obviously, you're not swimming in the ocean. So for me, um, you know, when I'm releasing the sodium, whether it is through sweat, um, you know, obviously you can consume urine um, and, and that'll kind of restore the sodium levels. Um, but I've noticed that when I incorporate uh, sea salt, my like I'm not as thirsty. And I know that kind of goes against everything that, you know, we um, like you've talked about and like we, um, you know, have experimented with because I notice, you know, I'll take like um, half a teaspoon of um, Celtic sea salt before my uh, training sessions. and I don't have to drink the entire the entire time and I'm not thirsty. And um, yeah, I just I feel very hydrated. So I think there is a balance of like the amount of liquids that you do consume versus, you know, the amount of sodium and the potassium as well, because obviously this um, sodium potassium pumps for the neurons in your cells, you know, it's required to, yeah. to pump. So I just kind of, yeah, I'm just kind of curious on that and where you are. Okay. Yeah. So here's my perspective on, on salt. I mm -hmm. mean, so first um, I don't like to use sodium and salt interchangeably because yeah. I don't think that they can accurately be used interchangeably because there are salts that don't involve sodium whatsoever. So yeah. there are, and this is like a theory as well. I mean, supposedly 12 cell salts. And I mean, there's more, but the ones that are marketed are usually 12, like 12, but there's, yeah. there's definitely more um, major salts that contribute to bodily function. So most of them I would say are um, sodium or like potassium based. And there are, there are lots of other ones too. Um, magnesium salts. There are, um, there's lots of different ones. So, I mean, sodium is one specific, um, you know, potassium is another one, like you were saying, um, mm. there really should ideally be a ratio. So that's, you know, there is a ratio that will bring us balance of these different minerals and these different salts. So just like when it comes to cholesterol, just like when it comes to fats, I think there's, you know, none of these things should be demonized and everything should be in balance. So, I mean, sodium chloride isn't one of the cell salts. It's not necessary for bodily function. Um, mm -hmm. It is a way, you know, the body does have the ability to break it down and, you know, se separate, you know, dissociate it and then rebuild it into other things. Of course, everything is an alchemical tool, but um, I don't see sodium chloride as something necessary. Personally, in my journey, there's never been a time where I ever felt I needed it. And every time that I tried to give it a chance, I always got thirsty. So that's just my mm -hmm. personal um experience with it yeah. um, and i have spent a lot of time in the ocean so maybe that's why i would say an excess will definitely make you thirsty i mean yeah, yeah an, ex an excess will definitely make you thirsty if you aren't going in the ocean or you're not living anywhere near the ocean which i'm pretty sure you haven't maybe that's why um yeah. so that that could be a potential but salt is definitely something that we do need salts mm -hmm. in general and i guess i mean i just made a post about this the other day but i guess we could talk about it a salt is basically the product of a reaction between a cation cation and an anion between an acid and a base. So two ions, one negative, one positive, join together to make something of neutral charge, right? That's what a salt is, the result. So like yeah. sodium chloride is, you know, balanced. It's it's a neutral charge or, yeah. you know, um, other salts are just like, you know, cations and anions coming together to balance into a neutral charge. So basically what happens with any of these salts is, um, you know, they are catalysts for different bodily functions, of course. And most of the time where we say we need these minerals, it's more optimal for us to get them in, in the salt form. But either way, the body makes all of them. Like, 
as far as minerals and like salts go, this is one of the things that I am definitely a firm advocator for the fact that the body can definitely make with breath. Um, for sure. Compa- compared to like more denser arrangements, like, like sugars and other things. I mean, external consumption definitely helps with the, with the creation of fats, but mm. I mean like things like that, you know, eating saturated fat compared to monounsaturated compared to polyunsaturated, you want a ratio. So same thing with like cholesterol, like, LDL cholesterol isn't necessarily bad for you, but the ratio needs to be balanced. You need to have significantly more HDL than you do LDL. If you have higher LDL than you do HDL, now you have a problem. But the problem isn't the LDL. The problem is the lack of HDL to balance Mm -hmm. that out. So Mm -hmm. your cholesterol can be significantly higher than someone else's if both HDL and LDL are higher. But if you have an imbalance of that ratio, then someone who's significantly lower with a balanced ratio is better off in that sense. So same with salt, I would say. Where like, you know, you want a balanced ratio of all different salts. If you're just loading up sodium chloride and sodium chloride is the only salt you're consuming externally, then in that sense, you are imbalancing everything. I forget the specific Mm. ratio, but you're supposed to have significantly more potassium than you do sodium in your body. It's like several hundred. It might even be like a thousand times more. I I think it's several hundred, like 300 times more Mm -hmm. um, times potassium than you do sodium in your body. And sodium chloride is just like straight up like concentrated sodium chloride so it's not there's no balance of the salts like when you drink celery juice there is balance of different salts there's different minerals and different salts in there for example um in the ocean water there's there's different ones in your pee there's all of them (laughs) so um yeah it's in milk there's there's most of them as well um if not all of them depending on the animal and depending on you know what for sure yeah i know goat Um, raw goat milk for sure has all of them goat milk is the shit (laughs) <laughs> yeah, goat milk's probably the most superior. <laughs> superior yeah, milk. and honestly, in my opinion, my body like my I enjoy the taste of it the most too. It's the lightest, yeah. it's the best consistency in my opinion, and I actually like the way it tastes better than the other ones. The cow is yeah. kind of heavy for me personally. The A two cow milk is a little heavy for me. Um, the cream yeah. is a little thicker, I think. And then um, I don't know. The sheep is like a. Some people really love sheep, but it's like super. I'm not a huge fan. It's like too creamy for me. It's like mm-hmm. it's good on occasion, but like to drink daily, I think it's a little too heavy for me. Like too creamy. Um, like some like Aubrey and Eli, like they love it, but uh, my dad likes it better. I like the goat milk better. Um, yeah, and that's for sure. Preference, I guess, but I mean, yeah, I would say second to goat. I actually like water buffalo milk the second best. You've been experimenting. We don't have any of that we we have this, um, this Amish place in PA, bro. They got a bunch of different. They got stuff. it. They I've got been, the, the plug. I've been drinking the whey from from the water buffaloes. Like when you yeah. have the milk, right? Like. You know, just like juice settles over time. If you leave the milk like in the fridge or something, it'll um, it'll separate. Even if it's on the counter, it'll separate the. Mm-hmm. Except it's the opposite usually with juice. You know, the sediment will will go to the bottom with juice. The cream will float to the top of the milk, and then basically, like if you scoop the cream off the top and maybe strain the the liquid remaining, the liquid part, like the strained liquid, is the whey. That's what they call whey. And then you have the heavy cream or the fermented version of that would be like the sour cream. So. Mm-hmm. I've been drinking a lot of whey, like when I work out and it's, it's super light. Like it's totally different than like drinking the whole milk. So like when I'm actually working out, I'll drink the whey and then like post-workout or just throughout the day, I'll drink the milk. But mm. the water Buffalo whey is fire. All right, man. <laughs> I'm going to have to try that when I, when I come through, but Definitely. yeah, I never, never had that. We don't have that much at the, at the local farm here. They have, uh, they have, uh, raw goat milk, uh, raw, just regular cow milk. And then they have like, they have cheeses as well. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, just tying it because someone asked, should you consume salt? Just tying back into that. Uh, I just personally, I think you should just experiment with it. I think if you live by the ocean, swim by the ocean, there's no need because um, I, I didn't finish my my thought before. But um, how I because I've I've gone to Miami a decent amount and I've gone to the um, to the beaches there. Like I'm when I'm down there, I'm by the beach like all the time. And so the way I feel when I'm by the beach, swimming in the ocean, and just like chilling right next to the ocean is how I feel when I consume the Celtic sea salt here. So, you know, I think there is a, like a huge benefit to living by the ocean. And, um, you know, I, I think it just, it's going to come down to experimenting with yourself because, you know, for me personally, um, it, it's, it's helped me when I consume the Celtic sea salt in terms of like physical activity, like, and in terms of my thirst, uh, I don't drink that much water just in general. Um, you know, I, I never really did, like the past 18 months minus, um, this last month I've been experimenting with, um, with distilled water this last month. Um, but mm. prior to that for like 18 months, it was just like the juices from, from fruits and the liquids from fruits. And I noticed that when I was consuming, um, celery, celery juice consistently, I noticed my workouts were more consistent. I'm like, all right, well, what's in celery. That's not normally that I'm not normally consuming, um, and it, you know, it's the organic salt in there. And so yeah, is um, also a really good aromatase inhibitor too. So it prevents, nice. it, it prevents, you know, testosterone from converting into estrogen. Nice. All right. Yeah. I mean, I got some, I'm about to juice some celery probably right after this. Um, but yeah, I've been experimenting with that too. And another thing is, um, coconuts. I know you, um, like what's your experience. Cause this is just for me personally. Sorry guys. This is a question for me personally. Um, you know, when comparing drinking, like from a carton, versus the the actual the actual coconut um like do you think it's it's even worth drinking it from the carton like like what what do you think no no right no. like no and, i don't and, even and drink coconut thing. water in jersey i haven't had a coconut since i left nicaragua that's the thing too i i stopped with the with the carton and i'm actually feeling i'm feeling kind of i'm feeling kind of better. better i stopped with yeah. the with the carton ones in you know e no even though ones that are wrapped in plastic you know, the yeah, no, fuck those too. I don't drink those either. I'm literally yeah. like, if I'm not in the tropics, like it's not local. You know what I mean? If I'm yeah. in New Jersey, I got no business drinking coconuts. If I'm in yeah. Florida, if I'm in Hawaii, if I'm in Nicaragua, if I'm in Costa Rica, if I'm in Mexico, great. Coconuts all motherfucking day. But until I get back somewhere where they're growing, I'm not going to drink one. I'll, I'm yeah. all for the goat milk and shit while I'm here. Yeah. Because that's yeah, exactly. what we have here. Yeah. And that's kind of something I... I knew when, because when I went in India, we would get, you know, coconuts over there and they were fire, like so good and, you know, really mm -hmm. hydrating. And then, you know, I was like, all right, I'm, when I go back to the States, I'm a, I'm a drink a lot of coconut water. And it was just like, it just wasn't the same. And I think you mentioned like har even harmless harvest. Like that, I don't know that something sketch with they're, that. They're That's harmful some... harvest. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it's like, like I've never seen coconuts that like the coconut water that color ever and not that sweet and it, it honestly kind of tastes like cleaning products like if any coke it does kind of taste like cleaning products that right. if you if you were to um open a real coconut like like from the tropics like and mm -hmm. you see the inside pink like that you couldn't even sip it like it would be so disgusting and like mm. gone bad already like yeah. so that alone like is was sketchy for me too and then when it comes to like the sugariness like if you if you go to the tropics, spend a month fasting on coconut water, right? And then you go back to New Jersey and you drink a harmless harvest for the first time. You're like, ew, this is disgusting. Like, it's not even good. It takes me like, it used to take me like a solid week or two to get used to harmless again and get like re-addicted.
Mm-hmm. Like it would yeah. be like, honestly, like I'd be like almost forcing myself to do it. Cause I didn't know what else to drink. And yeah, now I'm definitely off that. It, the milk definitely helped me have something to replace it with. Um, but I want to go back real quick to the question of should you eat salt, mm-hmm. right? If you're asking someone else the question, should I do this? Should I eat this? Should I do that? You're already missing the point of this whole entire podcast episode. The whole point is like, and it's not to say that's a bad thing either. This is like, you know, hopefully whoever asked that question, you're listening right now and you're, you're learning from this. This is something that I used to do with people that I was learning from. And really, the, like your answer was accurate. But yeah, just trial and error. Like find out for yourself. I personally have learned on my own that sodium chloride does not benefit me at all. I have never eaten it in any amount, in any form, and felt good. Never. So for me, it doesn't work. For someone else, it may work. I like, I don't know. I don't have your body. We didn't grow up the same way. We didn't eat the same shit our whole lives. We don't breathe the same. We don't live in the same environment. Like, sure, so it may suit you. I might be, you know, subconsciously getting salt from the ocean, which I most likely am from swimming in the ocean and surfing and being near the mm-hmm. ocean and doing things like that, um, compared to someone who lives like in Kentucky or something. I mean, it can be totally different. So depending on where you are, where you grew up, what you eat, everything, like it can all play a role. So I mean I never recommend one like one thing for everyone. Like, try your own shit, really. Like, try mm. everything out for yourself. Like, even things that I say to not do, do them anyway, and find out why I said not to do them. Because if I tell mm. you why, that's different than you experiencing why. And that's you know basically our main concept here, um, with you know the ex- you know the intellectually understanding versus experientially understanding something. Mm. You know. I can tell you what Taylor said, you know, back in the day, like I was able to regurgitate everything Taylor Bud was teaching me at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it took me years now to, to actually form my own, you know, conclusions based on the information that I was getting from him. I had to take five years to do it and test everything and do the things that he was telling me not to do to realize, okay, he was right about this one. This one, I, I, I'm, I feel the same thing and other things where I'm like, okay, I actually don't feel that, you know, I actually feel different. And now, you know, there's other people who agree with me and there's other people that don't. And just goes to show you, like, people will always disagree with you and people will always agree with you. You know, like I came out and say I drink pee and now there's thousands of people out here drinking pee. So, like, people will agree with just about anything and people will disagree with just about anything. You know, you Mm -hmm. say fruits are good for you and people will disagree with you. So, like, you know, it, it depends, you know. But yeah, yeah, I would just exactly. say, find what works for you because no one will be able to tell you what will work for you mm-hmm. except your body. So if you yeah. eat salt and you're thirsty, do it. And honestly, try things multiple times. Like I tried salt initially and didn't really like it and, and got off it. I was never much of a salt kind of guy. I never really liked eating salt. And like, you know, if I used to eat like pasta as a kid, like I would eat like plain pasta. I was like a very bland type kid food. I was very picky, barely ate anything. Yeah. And when my when my parents would like put salt in the pot to make the pasta, I would like taste the difference and be like, I'm not eating this. I don't like it. Mm. Like you can't put salt in. I don't like it. And it was weird. Like so throughout my life, like I've never really been much of a salt guy. Um, mm. So that's my own personal preference. And um, now it's like, you know, I, I've I've given it tries. I've given it a try multiple times. I have, you know, gone back and been like, okay, let me see, like, you know, because obviously there's a lot of information that people put out that say that salt is essential and that we need to eat it. So I'm like, eh, let me give it a try. And every time I try it, I'm like, this is terrible. Like, mm. I feel terrible. I'm thirsty. I'm never thirsty. I want water. I never want fucking water. Mm. Like, fuck this. And even with like the sea asparagus powder, um, I noticed that 
something very interesting. So the difference between like organic and inorganic salts, right? The organic salts being like carbon based from a living organism, like in liquid form. So like when you consume, uh, or at least when I consume sea asparagus fresh, right? They grow it on Oahu. When I was out in Hawaii, I was eating like just straight up like fresh sea asparagus, like a couple pieces to give you that like kind of salty taste, but mm. it never made me thirsty once. And it's mm. like wet. Right. And then they have like the salicornia powder, like the green salt, like that, you know, they make like that, uh, it's dehydrated salicornia. It's blended and dried like powder from sea asparagus powder, uh, sea asparagus. And that shit made me salty every time, made me uh, thirsty every time. So Mm. I think it's, it it does also have to do with like where it's coming from because salt isn't just salt. Mm. Sodium chloride isn't even just sodium chloride. I mean, it's, you know, if it's coming from like the sea asparagus grows with its roots in the ocean water and grows out of the ocean water. So it kind of like it, it's feeding on salt water instead of regular water through its whole lifespan. So it mm. does obviously have that salty taste. It honestly almost tastes like you're eating ocean water, but it's like a little better. Um, and For sure. Yeah, I got to try yeah, it. I've never and, tried it. And that felt hydrating. I've only seen it fresh in Hawaii. Um, I've heard from somebody in my DMs a while ago that they have it in Australia. Um, okay. I'm not sure where else they have it, but it has to be like an island type thing or tropical something, um, sure. I'm guessing. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that's that's an experience that I noticed with salt, like the inorganic stuff. So like I'd rather get my salts from um, something living. And even if oh, that yeah. is like – I mean, I'll say one thing. I have drank lots of ocean water by accident surfing. And every time it happens, I low-key like feel great. Like – you know, like this yeah. one day, like when I was in Hawaii, I think I said this maybe on another podcast episode or a live, but I was in Hawaii and I ate like two, actually this was during breath of boot camp. I talked about this. We, um, we ate too much durian in the morning. We went to the market. There was just like durian at the market. And I usually don't eat early in the morning, especially not like something like durian. And I ate just like too much durian. And I was, I went surfing right after we ate. So I'm like laying on the surfboard, like on my chest and I'm like burping up durian. And I'm like, Oh, this is fucking miserable. Like, why did I do that? And then on one wave, like I fell and I just like accidentally just like literally took a full inhale, like straight gulped, like mad ocean water. And I was just like, Oh, that's going to make it so much worse. Fuck me. And then like a couple minutes later, I'm like, wow, that ocean water, like fixed the problem. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. burping up durian at all anymore. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I've done a lot of thinking about ocean water and I mean, if you think about it, it's probably like mostly piss, right? Yeah. Like of everything's every organism's pee eventually ends up in the ocean and like all of the fish, you know, are inhaling and exhaling the water. So they are in a sense attaching carbon to it. Like, you know, the same way that we inhale oxygen O2 and then we breathe out CO2, we're attaching carbon to the oxygen and then like letting it go. So sacred fluids, fish are kind of doing the same thing. They're just attaching carbon to the water and like making the ocean water alive by breathing Mm -hmm. it. So that those salts in the ocean water can actually be totally different from um, you know, like table salt, obviously, or the salt mm-hmm. like that's in it otherwise. So for sure, it can be like organic salt in, in liquid form. So in that sense, I would actually probably recommend drinking ocean water as opposed to eating Over. dried sea salt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like the same thing with the salicornia, with the sea asparagus, like the dried version yeah. tends to make me thirsty. The, mm-hmm. the way that it occurs in nature actually doesn't yeah. make me thirsty. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just an interesting, like, kind of perspective from my experience, like things that I randomly noticed. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I haven't really eaten salt, I, maybe like three or four times in the last mm. like couple years. Okay, nice, nice. And yeah. I, did, I did a week and a half. I did, I did like two weeks, maybe a week and a half, two weeks on like the Dr. Sebi foods, 
So for like a week sure. and a half or two weeks, I was like eating salt with that. And I felt uh, horrible. Like, and I, yeah, I, I did pictures Sebi about the difference. Like when I tested the Dr. Sebi diet, it made me flabby as fuck and like terrible. <laughs> like it was just terrible. I was so low energy, like so addicted to food, like horrible. And it was like, out of all the diets that I've tried, out of all the things I've tried, that was honestly, other than standard American diet, the worst. And actually I looked way better. Like I was way more ripped up, way more vascular, actually had more energy when I was eating standard American diet compared to um, the Dr. Sebi diet. And that could have yeah. just been other factors, but I mean, and yeah. I only did it for a short period of time. And I also went from like fruitarian fasting back to the Dr. Sebi diet. So that could have also been a factor as well. Fab, you're messed up. <laughs> uh, yeah. For no, real. but yeah, I, I hear you for sure. Yeah, the Sebi, um, the alkaline electric, quote unquote, alkaline electric diet uh didn't really yeah it didn't really work for me either um and I, I think honestly um i just think it was the starch and that's i guess what the next thing we can come down to uh i just no, i can't do starch like there's there's just no way there's just no Bro, way like starch my, is, from, is the one thing like other than salt like starch and salt are probably the two things and cooked foods are the thing the, like the trinity of things that i just can't do like that just haven't worked for my body like ever yeah yeah. And, and that's the thing too. That's, that's another, it ties back into what we were saying, social media versus reality. Like you, you see all these people posting about like alkaline diets and it's, it's a lot of this starchy food and I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying it didn't work for me personally. And it can be you know, better than what you were doing in the past. This is the thing yeah. like that people don't understand. Like you can eat something that's not long-term healthy for you and feel better. You know, mm -hmm. you could be on standard American diet and change one thing, stop eating one thing. Like people, people go carnivore, right? And they eat just cooked steak and eggs for a month and they feel better. Great. You stopped eating like drugs. You stopped eating like freaking, um, you know, Rice Krispie treats and mac and cheese and pizza and like, yeah. you know, potatoes and like, you know, mashed potatoes and rice and beans mm -hmm. with your steak. And like, you know, as soon as people cut out starch, no matter what, they feel better. But some people, even when they just cut out like Monsanto drugs, they feel better. So it's like... Mm -hmm. Feeling better doesn't mean you feel good. <laughs> like, mm, yeah, you know, not feeling bad isn't feeling good. Um, mm, you know, there's there's a difference, and a lot of people feel better and think that they're there, wherever there mm. is. Like, like there's no more to go. Like, there's no way that I could feel better than this because I feel a little better than I felt last year. Mm -hmm. And like, from what I've noticed is like, I felt really great doing lots of different things. I felt yeah. phenomenal eating nothing but fruit. I have yeah. felt phenomenal eating nothing for four months straight. I felt phenomenal yeah. drinking nothing but my piss. I have felt phenomenal drinking raw milk and raw eggs and like, you know, exper and, and raw cheese and like blueberries. So, you know, I've done a lot of different things. One thing that I haven't done is carnivore or raw carnivore. So I can't really speak from experience yeah. on that one. But people do speak on that saying that they've had phenomenal experiences. And really like a major thing is that when you switch up anything, your body will feel different. And as your body adjusts, you will, you'll think you'll feel better doing a lot of different things. And I feel like people make the mistake of thinking every new thing that they try is the thing. Like, that's mm. it. You know, like, mm -hmm. okay, I was, I was fruitarian and that was like the only thing that was good. Like everything but fruit is bad, you know, and then you eat something else and you're like, only raw meat is good. Fruit is bad now. And it's like everything that ever made you feel good will probably still make you feel good. And the things mm -hmm. that made you not feel good, like think of the things that consistently make you not feel good. For me, no matter what diet I was doing, starch was a common denominator of all of the things that made me not feel good. Mm. Whether it's nuts, whether it's vegetables, whether it's, um, you know, any anything else. The starch, you know, breads and pastas and whatever, the starch always made me not feel good. 
and always like just fucked up like everything for me mm-hmm. digestion wise and honestly everything that was raw and from nature made me feel good not even really that specific so many things have made me feel good fruit has made yeah. me feel good eggs have made me feel good um you know I did try raw liver and bone marrow once, which we talked about, and it didn't mm. make me feel bad. I didn't really, I guess I didn't eat enough of it or like consistently enough to really notice any difference, but I ate it once and it didn't make me feel bad. You know, I eat starch once and it makes me feel bad. So I'll say that. Yeah. Um, I'm same, same thing with me. I've tried, um, I've tried beef liver and kidneys, I think. And I only did it once though. So I, it's like, it I heard kidneys me feel taste bad. like piss, do they? Yeah, honestly. They kind of do. Honestly, yeah. 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 It, it's it's super chewy too. It's like I, I took like a bite. I think I remember texting you. I was like, bro, I'm I don't think I'm ever doing this ever again. But it was just yeah, like the it's texture just like, is mad weird. Yeah, it was just like, you know, I'll try everything at least once. Like we like we said. Like I just exactly. I need to know. I just need to know. Like that's just that's just how I am. But yeah, I will say just, I didn't not like no. the bone marrow. I didn't not like the bone marrow. Yeah, I've been I've been doing bone marrow. And like I did the bone marrow with the sour cream and it was fire. Yeah, a stupid amount of fat in the in the bone marrow and maybe that's why that's why I like I kind of like it's it. It's enjoyable. Yeah. I'm all for the fats, bro. I'm all for the yeah. fats. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I I've kind of come to accept that too. It's like my my fat intake has definitely increased the past couple of months and I uh I'm feeling pretty good. Like and you know, like I'm not putting on fat. Like that, that's the biggest thing for me too. It was just like, yeah, because like right now, fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like right now, my main focus is just like being, um, you know, it's like building my body, like not, not in the sense that like, like a bodybuilder type thing, but like becoming the most athletic version of myself possible. That's like, that's been my goal, like the past month or two. And like, that's all I've been Thanks. focusing on. So uh, not, I shouldn't say all, but like, that's definitely like an intention I'm setting because I just want to see um you know i think there was a quote that said take you you know there there was like a quote that said um something like it it's a it's a shame it's a shame for man to not know the limits of his physical body or something like that something along those lines and it really kind of hit me because um you know i was i was doing a lot of fasting i was doing a lot of um you know just eliminating and and it definitely does have its place and i'm saying i'm not saying don't do it i'm not saying do it either but uh it definitely served its purpose for me it made space for uh for you know me to build myself and so um you know experiencing that lightness and then that density and going back and forth between that uh it's been it's been very interesting and and i just feel like right now i'm on that path of like building my body back up to um you know peak athletic performance and that's that's kind of yeah, that, that's been that's been my focus. And it's been it's been super fun because I'm kind of tapping into what I was, you know, back in back in high school, because I think when I was like 15, 16, Feel that, bro. Yeah, yeah. I think that was honestly like my peak, um, my previous peak uh, for like, in terms of like my size, my my body to um, my my weight to strength ratio, things like that. Like I was, I was, I was a monster, honestly, <laughs> in my sophomore year, like you I was, were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I weighed like, I only weigh a few more pounds now than I did back then. Like my, my physique is pretty much the same as when I was like, when I was 16, which is crazy to think about because, you know, when I was like really eating a lot, like, you know, I was on that plant, whole foods plant-based, I was like backing up my gut, but I was eating a ton and I, I was weighing like almost 180. I was almost 180 pounds and like 30 of those pounds were definitely just food sitting in my, 
in my colon. And then, you know, I, I went on the whole journey of fasting and, and, um, you know, eliminating doing, um, like liver cleanses, kidney cleanses, doing like all, all kinds of things just to clean myself out. And I dropped down to like, I don't know, one, like 150 maybe. And I was like, I was like comparing myself and like doing all these things. And I was like, damn, I feel like so small, like all these things, like getting in my head, but I'm like, no, nah, like I, I literally feel the best I've ever felt. Um, you know, aside from when I was like 16 and I'm like, okay, so obviously size isn't important like at all. And then that kind of, you know, furthered my, my journey into, um, fasting. And I, I dropped weight, like not that weight matters, but it's definitely a, a good tool to use just like with anything. Uh, I got yeah. down like 128 or something like that when I was, um, when I was like fully fast, that's when I had my, um, my infection and I was just trying to eliminate everything. So I dropped down to like 128. Uh, borax. Yeah, I still do take borax. Um, I don't, I, I've only, I'm not consistent with it. So I, I don't feel really that comfortable speaking on it, but I, I will say that I do take it and I do know that there are uh, benefits to taking it. You can do your own research with that. Um, especially when what it comes borax? to boosting testosterone. What was that? What is borax? I never heard of it. Somebody asked me about it last week and I was like, honestly, I have no idea what that is. Uh, well, they, they use it for like, um, here, one second, let me grab the, uh, let me see what's, I forget what the um, mineral is in it, but it's, it's basically boron. I don't know if you can still hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, so, um, yeah. yeah, so it's, I mean, like it's boron, sodium borate. Sodium tetraborate. Yeah, so basically, um, you know, the, you only really get um, boron in like certain soils. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend like I know everything there is to know about it. But um, a lot, like a lot of people, are deficient in boron, and so that you know it claims to help with um, boosting testosterone. So um, you know, if you're, I think a female asked. I don't necessarily know if you should. <laughs> But um, I, I know it helps for men and testosterone. Yeah. So that's something I've been experimenting with as well. Nice. Yeah, I would say from what you were saying before, like I'm definitely in a rebuilding stage now too. And I mean, we've both done a shitload of fasting. So I felt like, you know, I guess we both kind of in similar times, like felt like it was time to start rebuilding. And it's a lot of fun. Like I am definitely tapping into an athletic side of myself that I, um, I guess, laid to rest in a way a long time ago. And it's been really fun. Um, but I would say in comparison, like there are things that were differently good fasting and being super light. Like when I was fasting, like the lowest weight I ever went was 113. That was the lowest at 5'11". And that's like pretty fucking skinny. Like I was definitely pretty skinny. Um, yeah. Super vascular, super like ripped up, but like definitely like not big. And yeah. at that time, most of my workouts was just surfing and running. And I was running a lot longer distances and like feeling like, you know, I'd run eight miles. I feel like I like did nothing like straight mm -hmm. up. Like, you know, my body was so like my endurance and my ability to not need was definitely more profound on smaller diets, you know, on, on, uh, you know, fasting and stuff. So mm -hmm. like when I, when my body was physically smaller, so mm -hmm. now I've noticed, you know, I, I've come to a conclusion or, or a theory at least that, um, we, as we build more muscle, it like requires more to sustain. Mm -hmm. So like 
if you want to run like long distance, like if you want to train for a marathon, if you have a, a lo- larger muscle mass, you're going to have to consume a lot more to be able to do that than someone who's really skinny. And you'll notice mm-hmm. a lot of these guys that win marathons are like really fucking skinny and lean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's a benefit to being super skinny and lean and there's a benefit to being super big. So like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, I'm not even saying that necessarily the goal is to find balance in that to be somewhat big and, you know, somewhat skinny. If you are like a long distance runner or somebody who like wants to do something like that, being skinny actually is a good thing because you mm-hmm. actually won't need to consume as much and you won't need to be as heavy to do those things. And you'll actually be lighter and it just makes mm-hmm. doing those things easier as well. And then if you are really trying to lift heavy weight and do like Olympic lifting or something, being physically bigger will help, you know, mass, you know, forces mass times acceleration. So having more mass can help you. Um, you know, produce more force. So pretty much like, you know, each has its time and place. There's nothing wrong with being skinny and there's nothing wrong with being huge. Um, and there's nothing wrong with being in the middle. Yeah. It's yeah. Like exactly. Each, each, each one just has its, I guess, time and place and your body can totally transform in a matter of like a month or two, at least for me. Like, you know, if I was to do like a 30 to 60 day fast, I could easily drop 20 pounds and then, mm-hmm. you know, I can go into, you know, eating, um, and most of it's probably poop, honestly, and just like a little bit of surface snot. But like, mm. you know, then I once I started eating, um, you know, when I was fruitarian, I was around 125, 130, like consistently. That was like my weight. And then fasting, I would I would get down into like the 115 range. 113 was the lowest I ever was, but usually like 115 to 120 was like my average rate, like range for the day. Um, and yeah, now like my average range for the day is like 138 to like 143. Mm-hmm. So like significantly like more weight, like probably like 20 pounds. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I've had clients that drop 20 pounds in nine days of breath of poo camp. I've had clients that lose 40 pounds in breath of poo camp in nine days mm-hmm. just from taking shits. So I mean, it really depends on like where you start out with and how much extra weight you're holding on to. For me, that threshold is usually around 20 pounds. So mm-hmm. if I was to fast and get to my natural body weight, it'd probably be like, I mean, now I have put on a little bit of muscle, so it would be probably like, I'd probably be at around like 118, 119 to like 124-ish. That would be my guess. Mm-hmm. If I was to fast now, that's where I would cap out and, and hit that like no more losing weight at around that weight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's interesting to see like over time, like how your body does like transform whenever you do do things differently. Like every diet I ever ate, my body was totally different. Same, so, same. Th- and they were all cool. Like they were all, every time I thought this is the peak. And every time I was like, you know, some of them, I'm like, this isn't necessarily better than it was then, but it's like, it's differently better. Like some things are better now than were then. And some things were better then than they were now. It's just different. And that's really, you know, to say things are better or worse, like, are they really, or Mm -hmm. did your body just give you the exact best reaction to what you were doing? Yeah. You know, and a lot of it's placebo too, honestly. Your body's conditioned to eat, you know, there's no, you know, if you want to eat as much as possible get fat or get huge, like Mm -hmm. get absolutely massive muscular wise. (laughs) And then you can eat as much as you want. Some of these dudes are jacked and they just like, they just burn up everything they eat. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I guess it's, it comes down to preference too. Like what what you're looking to do at the, at that beauty of the human experience. Yeah, exactly. So I'm always fluctuating where I'm like, I'm just trying to be like really lean. Just, I don't, I don't care. I'm just, because I, um, you know, I, especially in the summertime, I'm, I'm outside a lot. I'm, I'm longboarding and, or I'm running and I, I drop weight a good amount where, as opposed to in the winter, I'm mostly 
um, you know, I'll still do, I have a trampoline down in the basement, like a little mini one. So that's, um, that's what I've been doing, uh, during the winter. And it's been, it's been nice. It's been, it's been getting my bunnies up. My, like, I, I just love <laughs> being able to like be light and just jump that that's yeah. like, I just love doing that. So, um, yeah, it, it's just like different, different times, different, different experiences will give you different, um, you know, physical outputs. And so it's it just, it's fun for me to like have been able to experiment with like all types of things, um, you know, throughout, like when I was younger, um, you know, from like 14 to like 20, it was just like hardcore, um, like quote unquote bodybuilding. Like it was just like, I was just going hard into that. And then, you know, I went into the yoga and I did, um, I did like a few years of that consistently and that made me super flexible, but I also got, um, like a lot weaker. Um, not that that's a, a problem, but it just like, I noticed it and I just felt like going back, tapping back into, um, strength and like athletic performance. And, and then it's like a, it's like a whole flow. It's just like, we were talking about like, like balance, like what, what does that mean to you? And like, how are you managing flowing through the process of balance? So that's, it's, it's been cool. It's been, a, it's been a cool experience. Um, I'm super excited to like, see what my physical limits are. Um, if I even have any <laughs> and like, just, you know, keep like, we just keep pushing ourselves and, and that's, uh, that, that's basically been my goal. And I'm definitely going to share more of that experience online. Like now I've been like super busy just to get a little more personal. Like I've been, uh, I've been doing like a lot of, um, behind the scenes, like collaborations, like things like that. And, um, I also run the page humanity enlightened, um, on Instagram too. So that's been like, um, that's been like a whole journey too. So it's like, it's just finding the balance to like, um, help people out that are reaching out because right now, like my, my availability is like, um, you know, it, it's not there. Like I'm, I'm on calls like almost every single day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's just like, there's a time and place. So like, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just finding out, you know, what, what your priorities are now. And like, you know, I, I feel like I eliminated it and I, and I cleansed and detoxed to the point where like, you know, my focus now is like building, building community, building my body, building loving relationships, um, mm. just like just building. Like that's, I feel like that's the energy I'm on right now. I've cleansed people out of my life that don't need to be in my life. I've been doing that like You've the past done the four destruction, years. Now it's time for the construction. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you got to make room for, for that stuff to happen. So that's kind of like I'm seeing it. And that's another big thing too, with like fasting, when you start fasting, you know, you start telling yourself, you know, that you, you, you know, you are everything and, and that you need nothing. And then, so, you know, it can get kind of gnarly with the people that you detox from your life, because those experiences aren't always pretty, just like the detox experience, like having like the diarrhea, like whatever it is, like, it's not pretty. And, and so sometimes that'll reflect in the physical world. And so, um, you know, you just got to find, you know, accept that, find peace with that and um, kind of just go with your, go with the flow with that. But um, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to say on that. Um, I don't know if we want to like go into questions or if you have something else yeah, to say. Yeah, I was going to say this, we, we kind of like kept going for a while, but yeah, we could start getting into questions. Totally. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we should prioritize the people that are here on the live and then we can go into, into questions. We, we covered a lot of the questions. Most of it was like what we're physically yeah. doing. Uh, the salt was another big one. Um, fasting. Yeah, like there hasn't been ones. too many other questions in the chat. I've kind of been looking throughout. Um, yeah. I feel like we get into the ones from your story. Yeah, yeah. Here, let me look. Uh, look. Uh, let's see what I got. Um, so we'll do we'll do ones that are like interesting because we've already gone into like health and like all that and like 
you know, we, we enjoy, you know, as much as we enjoy talking about the physical body and health and all that, like we have other, um, There's a lot more to life than just that. Right, right. Exactly. Hold on. Let me pull up and pull this up. Um, all right. Um, do, 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 I'm just trying to find ones that aren't necessarily about like health. Um, well, I guess this kind of, um, so this person said sexual energy. So I'm assuming just in general, like what, what we feel is sexual energy and like what we, um, you know, how to cultivate that, I guess that kind of ties into health, but it, it is what it is. Like for me personally, when I was like really deep into the, uh, marketing and e-commerce space, like, um, I would like, I wasn't really, um, like sexually active in terms of like partners, I was using a lot of that sexual energy towards my business and towards a lot of the, um, the marketing and just like learning because, um, you know, I've, I've gone through phases where I'm very like intimate and like, I'm, I'm doing, I'm having intimate experiences with people. And I realized that, you know, it requires sexual energy to be doing that. And when you, when you have that sexual energy, it's, it's really potent, it's really powerful. And so, to be able to, you know, make sure that you're finding that, you know, balance of how you're navigating with that energy, I think is, is really important because, you know, when I, when I started just focusing all of that, um, you know, into the business, it started like taking off really well. And so for me, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like just my idea of what sexual energy is, is, uh, the arousal of the masculine, like the feminine arouses the masculine to go do something. And so, um, that's kind of like the relationship I have with sexual energy. It's like, you know, obviously, you know, we're on semen retention like that. That's like, that's like number one, like, like just retain your seed and, you know, you've got like 90% of your issues are, are pretty much gone in terms of like, um, sexual energy. The other 10% is how you direct them, what you use it towards. Um, you know, are you, are you using that energy? Are you watching porn when you're doing that? Like, like, what is it that you're directing when you, when you feel aroused, when you're just like horny for life? Like, what is it that you're doing? Are you trying to look for a partner and, and there's no right or wrong? Like, are you like, what, what is it that you it's want to use, to use that energy? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like, what, um, like, what does it sexual energy mean to you? What, what makes you aroused? What makes you like horny for life and feel and really sit with that energy and then, you know, see what you want to do with it. I'm horny yeah, so for I would say like, <laughs> If you ask me what sexual energy is, I would say it's creative energy. Our yeah. energy that we can use to create anything in our life. Um, and that's pretty wide spectrum. Like sexual energy can be used in any, any way, really. Um, and mm -hmm. semen retention definitely plays a big role in this. But um, basically, like, like, I was talking to Fab the other day. And he said, uh, he asked me what, what I think the cure for horniness is. And I said that it's mastering the, mastering the sexual energy. So mm. basically like what I mean by that is like semen retention is not something you just decide to jump into and do. It's something that takes practice. Like you're dealing with a lot of energy when you decide to maintain the seed. You're now having lots of energy inside your body that you're not used to having. So it needs to be channeled somewhere or it's going to build up and stagnate and eventually find the path of least resistance out of your dick, you know? So you need to make the path of least resistance somewhere else. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that can be in a creative flow. That can be with a partner practicing Tantra with breath awareness. That can be, it can look like a lot of things. It's not really anything specific. It can look like starting a garden. It could look like 
um, creating a business. It could look like writing a book. It could look like editing videos. It could look like learning how to do a handstand. It can look like fucking anything. But um, mm -hmm. as long as it doesn't look like sitting on the couch and thinking about how horny you are and looking at pictures of people online, like really that's like not mastering the, the energy. And over time, like you will still spill seed in the process of learning how to not spill seed so it's oh, like yeah. the goal is to kind of learn how to um how to master it you know how to build awareness in where the energy is building up and the channels of energy that you know the channels that the energy can flow through so this is something that i find um something that takes lots of time like to really master your sexual energy it, it realistically takes at least a decade i would say i'm about five years in and i still have a lot to learn and i've come a long way yeah, yeah, but, no doubt. Um, yeah, and I think the sexual energy topic ties into um, the question that Ketzel had, asking us to share our perspectives on diet and reproduction. So, um, I think as far as diet goes with reproduction, I think, I think there are options. I think you can do. Um, there's a lot of wiggle room for um, intuition and for, um, you know, I, I guess intuition is the word, um, in intuitive eating. That's really what I what I recommend for women, like usually the body knows what it wants. So, you know, I, I usually recommend a lot of like pregnancy preparation. So like pre-pregnancy preparation, like I'm a big advocate for the man retaining seed for at least 90 days prior to conception. I really recommend like extended fasting prior to, um, conception for both the male and the female. Um, and that's not necessarily fasting, meaning, um, like, like ketosis, like, you definitely don't need to be in ketosis, but, you know, um, like liquid fasting, like solid food vacation, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, cleaning out the bowels and cleaning out the body because it's it's not really the best, at least in my opinion, to detox mid-pregnancy. While there is a baby in you, like for the, the, the stuff to get out of your body, it has to go through the blood to get out. So that's not something you necessarily want to be putting through the baby on the way out mm -hmm. to. Um, mm -hmm. So I recommend getting as much of your detox done prior to being pregnant as possible. Um, of course, if you get pregnant unexpectedly or, you know, things like that, it is kind of, um, a gray area. You want to take it easy with the detoxing stuff in that, in that sense. Um, and it might actually be beneficial to either detox very slowly or even to wait until post-pregnancy because once you fast, then stuff really gets broken up. It's not necessarily always going into the blood and always being transferred to the baby. If you have like buildups in a specific area, like subcutaneous mucus is not really affecting the baby that much compared to like detoxing it out while you have the baby inside of you. So that's just a perspective, just an idea. Um, the animal versus plants thing, I see a balance of both being ideal. I think you can be pregnant on just green juices and, you know, you can fast while you're pregnant. If you've already had fasting experience prior to pregnancy, I would never recommend fasting to a mother who's never fasted prior to being pregnant. I would never recommend that. But um, you can definitely um, I, I really like as far as food goes, anything that really comes from nature. Um, only a couple things that I would recommend staying away from is fast breathing, um, breath of fire, breathing machine breaths, any sympathetic nervous system breath work. I definitely wouldn't really recommend for pregnant women. Um, and that's because as you breathe faster, you are starving the organs of blood and sending the blood to the muscles and tissues more so. So you're basically like starving the baby or starving that, you know, the core of the blood mm -hmm. for a period of time, which just, you know, there's a time and place for that. And while you're pregnant really isn't the time or place for that. Um, I would really more so recommend parasympathetic breathing for pregnant women. And then as far as diet goes, basically like anything raw from nature. Um, if it's, if it's cooked foods, I mean, very specific things. I would say if you wanted to cook like egg whites or certain things, like I've, 
I don't really have too much experience to to say, but I mean, if people are looking to do cooked foods, I would say like very minimal cooked foods and mostly raw, if anything. Um, and I mean, you got to be realistic with people. Not everyone's ready to completely change their lifestyle when they get pregnant by accident. So like if you're preparing for pregnancy and you have like, you know, a partner and you guys are ready to consciously go into this process and start preparing a year out in advance, that's really ideal, but that's not everyone, that's not everyone's situation. So depending on where you're at, you have a lot more leeway to make change and to optimize things prior but if you're already pregnant then there's a lot less room for change because you don't want to make any radical changes while you're pregnant so that would be if you are already pregnant i would say that would look like maybe incorporating just more local foods and less like processed stuff so like if you are standard american diet and you're pregnant i would definitely recommend just going more towards um like the denser stuff that is natural um so that could look like raw meat that could look like um, eggs that could look like, you know, um, milk, those things will not allow as much detox as let's say a green juice fast or going, you know, on all fruit. It's a more drastic, like more detoxing type, um, transition, which could be stressful. And really I would say overall, just be intuitive. That's like the number one thing I would say for anyone, I would say be intuitive and go with what feels right your body knows what it wants if you're pregnant and you're craving salt by all means fucking go for it you know um but notice the difference between cravings that are like like enjoyment cravings like i i crave the taste of this worth like i feel like my body wants this it's there's a difference you know like craving a rice krispie treat is different than like feeling like you need carbs like from fruit or something so like there is definitely a difference and um, just being aware, like everything I recommend awareness, do everything you do with conscious awareness and your body will lead you where you need to go and teach you what you want to know. Um, you want to add anything to that, Rob? Or I say mean, anything pretty, different? Yeah. I mean, pretty much along the lines too. I think a lot of it, um, with reproduction is energy too. So making sure that you, you and your partner are in alignment with, uh, what you want to, uh, create into this world because the energy that you're putting into, um, you know, the, the whole reproductive process is the energy that your child is going to embody. So uh, making sure that, you know, you're, you're engaging in, you know, uh, sexual activities with someone that you can see yourself um, being with and raising the child. So that's, that's more so on like an energetic level. It's not necessarily on, on a diet level. I agree with what you were saying um, with all of that too. Um, yeah that's that's what i would that's kind of what i would say on that topic word yeah one more thing i want to add too is like you know i've been working with lots of clients for a pretty long time now and i've seen people thrive on different things um personally i haven't had too many clients that are on the whole carnivore like meat eating wave so i can't really say too much from that but obviously there are lots of women who who eat like like meat and raw meat and still have healthy babies so i would say like from my experience i can't really speak on that but you know there's people who have healthy babies and unhealthy babies eating meat so we'll see um, depends on, I guess, the context and where they're sourcing and things like that. Um, meat isn't just meat, obviously. So um, from my perspective, like I've been a big advocate for fasting and, you know, breathwork and that type of stuff. Like I've had clients that are taking, I used to do like a nine week one-on-one breathwork program where I would teach like on Zoom personally one-on-one with everyone. And I had a couple clients that, um, you know, it's a common thing. We could talk about menstruation in a whole different podcast episode or like, you know, a whole different course um, about menstruation and, you know, the whole female stuff. But, you know, I've had clients that weren't bleeding 
you know, that, that weren't menstruating that still got pregnant while they were taking my program and ended up fasting throughout most of their pregnancy and actually still had like beautiful, healthy babies that actually were like super smart as young kids. Like they followed up with me and been like, Oh, like he's reading and he's only like one and a half. And like, he, you know, he can, you know, like, like being ahead of their time as far as like, um, intellectual things go. So I think that's interesting, but really I think that's, that's possible with just any kind of natural diet, as long as it's coming from nature and it's like majority raw food. I think um, kids have the potential to be um, really smart. And also um, I don't advocate for feeding your child anything other than breast milk for the first like five years of life, unless they are just trying to um, taste. So like your kids will want to do what you do. So they will, um, you know, like reach for things that you're eating or want something that you're eating because they want to, you know, do what you do. So in that sense, I would just recommend giving them small amounts of something. Give them like one berry. Give them like a little piece of melon just so they can get like the taste of it without like filling them up. Don't feed your infant mm. to fill them. Just give, allow them to experience with the taste and texture. Um, mm. That's really the only time I would feed a kid anything other than breast milk um, as they're growing up. Um, and then after, you know, um, really like when the mother stops producing milk. So that's usually like five to seven years. If it's earlier than that, it's earlier than that. If it's longer than that, it's longer than that. But, um, as long as the mother produces milk, it's still an option. And honestly, like a child will decide that it doesn't want milk anymore too. Like in nature, that's what happens. The child doesn't want to, you know, like, um, the guy who owned the farm that I held festival at Jeremy, like his goats will, you know, he's like, he's a grown man. This goat is a, like, he, he's ready to mate and he still drinks his mom's milk sometimes. Like he goes over there and gra grabs milk and, you know, some species, I, I would say women, like human women could be included in this potentially, like even after the baby decides to stop drinking milk on their own, the mother can still pr continue to produce milk. And that is kind of like the idea of like giving milk to loved ones or giving milk to other people that they feel need mm -hmm. it. It is like a motherly instinct to share that nourishment with other people or with mm -hmm. other things. So this is like why you'll see animals in nature sharing their milk with other animals, um, other adult animals or other children animals after the fact after their child is already done um as far as ut goes somebody asked about children's diet and fasting in ut um i would definitely start children out on just like raw food like you know after they get off breast milk like definitely just like fruits um the gentle like more watery stuff so like raw eggs are cool um you know raw milk is cool fruits are obviously cool um things like that in very very small amounts like they need a lot less than we think they do because we've been conditioned to eat a lot more than them. It will take them time to build up um, to eating more food. Um, and UT is something that like, I mean, I'm definitely not planning on making my kid drink his pee when he's four years old. Like it's kind of going to be something that like my kids will see me do it and then eventually learn to do it. Um, not something that I'm necessarily going to like tell them to do or make them do. Like if they're curious and they ask about it, then like that's it. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to like your kids eating, like let them, yeah, Aubrey just said it, like took the words out of my mouth, like let your kid be intuitive too. Mm -hmm. So like they know what they want. They know what they don't want. If they want something, um, you know, give them the opportunity to experience it and learn for themselves, whether they want it again or not. And same thing, like if they don't want something like respecting that your kid isn't hungry is huge. Much love Ketzel. Good question. Like, thank you for, uh, you know creating the space for us to talk mm. about this topic. Cause I think it is very important. Mm. I would love to hear your perspective on that too. Ketzel, honestly, at some point. 
trying to see what else. Let me see if there's other ones. I feel like we see if there's any good. We, if there's other good ones. I mean, we're already going on about in. two hours here. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but I mean, they're like I, most of them stay on for a little. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have much until. If you want, you'll send me some screenshots of your uh, questions, and I'll see. I'll look at them, or just go over like a bunch of them. And we can just pick one, like read like five or yeah. six, and we can just pick one. Yeah, a lot of it we kind of already answered. They're just saying like, um, is there semen retention, best foods for the liver, best foods for the liver. I guess we can go into that. Um, how to handle those in intense emotional purges? I'm assuming. This person's talking about, you know, when you go through, um, you know, your fasting experiences, you do go through some gnarly uh, emotional experiences. And I guess one way that I handle that is just acceptance and like finding peace with uh, whatever is being purged because and, and like accepting that it's being released because um, it's easy to get caught up in the emotional purges and think it's going to stay there forever. But finding peace in, in knowing that it, it's here right now, but it, it will be released and it's only here right now because it's, it's coming out to the surface and it's going to be, um, yeah, just, re just released out. Um, and whatever that looks like, um, just finding peace with that. That's like my, my biggest advice. Um, I guess if, if, if you want to know like physically, like what to do, um, being in like, um, for me, what's helped is being in like really, really warm, like wrapping myself in a blanket or like, um, emanating the, um, the womb. So like, um going in a bath as well something like that um you could do an epsom salt bath uh that definitely helps me i don't know what your go-to magnesium salts i'm about it for sure the skin yes sir. yeah exactly that's been like huge for me too just alleviating that stress yeah um i would say another thing for me personally when it comes to emotional stuff or what I recommend for people, like when it comes to these big releases, is like find a safe space. Like mm. there's a time and place to know that you're safe to do it. Um, you know, being at the mall is not the time. Um, you know, find a space home, like in your house, in your room, like where like you can be loud and you can be obnoxiously like letting it loose and not hold back at all. Um, and I've really noticed for myself that like I have trouble really allowing the release when there's like people or energy around that prevents me from feeling like safe to release so part of it is like allowing yourself to be in a position where, whether that is an epsom salt bath or curl up in a ball with a blanket or like whatever it is that allows you to feel safe to totally let it out mm -hmm. yeah that's huge yeah just just knowing that that you are safe that's the biggest thing like reassuring yourself and sometimes even having someone just tell you like like reach out and just have someone tell you you're going to be okay that that's a big thing too yeah. just hearing that um and letting people know that like hey if if i start getting in a certain way just tell me it's going to be okay because it's it's always nice to have a reflection kind of reassure you of that do not go on social media so i mean that's honestly yeah that, good that's advice, true. honestly fab from <laughs> from your experience definitely i could see that like venting on social media is not it yeah. I mean, if you want to yeah. do it, do it, you know, it's just in my experience, I would say like, it's not, yeah. Learn from the contrast on that one. Um, there is a question that I want to address, um, from the chat here. Um, yeah. people talk about different diets from, for conceiving boy versus girl. Um, and wondering if that's legit. What I would say is, um, I have no idea because I haven't 
you know, been pregnant and had mm-hmm. both a boy and a girl and seen, you know, different things. But I would say like, whatever your, whatever the body needs for that, if it is different, then the cravings will be different or not necessarily cravings, but like the bodily desires, what the body tells you you want is going to be different. Maybe if the difference is necessary, you know, if there is a difference between boy versus girl, maybe that could eventually be a way to tell if it's a boy or girl, but usually like the mother can consciously decide the gender of the child with intention. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah Aubrey just said the same thing. I was gonna say yeah, you'll feel different whether it's a boy or a girl. I wonder. I would. I would be interested to talk to a mother with multiple children, like who has like. I mean, I guess I can ask my mom, but I mean, any <laughs> any mother who has um, both yeah. boys and girls to see like if the pregnancy was like totally like a different feeling, like where they kind of hmm. knew it was a boy or a girl. I didn't know. I'm pretty you sure had my siblings. mom was pretty on point with guessing. just looking yeah, through i, I sent you like, um, some screenshots by the way um oh, i texted it to you you can check that out but yeah like i said pretty much all of it we kind of went over without even need to go through the questions um someone asked about crypto oh, wow. um One yeah I'm, I'm still in space <laughs> yeah yeah i just sent like some of them because it's just like it was kind of repeated but yeah i mean in terms of crypto yeah i'm still in it i'm not i'm so for me, um, like I've, I've always said, it's just a, another tool to build abundance. Um, I'm not really in it for the tech. Um, I'm not really interested in anything digital too much, uh, the metaverse, all of that stuff. Um, I see the direction in which um, this timeline right now is headed in. And so I'm profiting off of that. Um, and if you're asking about like what I think the current state is um, with what's going on in the world right now, uh, I don't, I don't see new all-time highs in the crypto market anytime soon. Um, I think it's going to take a pretty nasty dip. Um, you know, if, if you're trying to get into that space, I would learn more about web three DeFi, uh, yield farming, um, those topics. Um, you could, you could try the things thing with NFTs is it, it goes beyond just, uh, you know, pictures on a screen. You want to find, um, projects that have good utility and good tokenomics because um for instance you could get in early on an nft project that the nft is basically a pass um and that pass will give you access to certain areas and some um there's a project that's actually um looking to buy a city and so uh, if you own that nft you become a citizen of that of that particular town so there you definitely you know if you're if you're looking to profit off of it you want something that's long term um something that has utility and use case if you're just trading pictures of jpegs uh, i mean good luck <laughs> there's there's just it's too saturated right now so my my best advice would be to really look into nft projects that uh have use case so you can actually do something with the nfts you own yeah i don't know if you saw anything that you want to answer on there something in the comments just on the live right now um about breastfeeding um, and fasting mm. postpartum is the time to feast. So w- regardless of whether or not you're fasting during pregnancy, like when you're breastfeeding, it's that's the time to eat or at least to like consume lots of liquids. If you are going to do like a solid food vacation, it shouldn't be a fast. It should be a feast, like no juice fasting, juice feasting. If you're going to do juice or if you're going to do mm-hmm. like milk, like, you know, consume things because I mean, if you really think about it, like eating is breath work. You know, you're consuming the breath of whatever you're eating. So 
you know, you're, you're eating foods for breath content. So consuming things that are high in breath, um, you know, is, is ideal like for breastfeeding, especially. And I mean, let me see. Um, yeah. Um, so how about breatharian, breatharian's moms? Did they feast on air or what? So, I mean, personally, I don't know any breatharian mothers like who have been breatharian through the entire thing. The only, the only women that I've helped with fasting throughout, um, you know, pregnancy and postpartum, whatever, they were always like consuming lots of liquids. You know, they were on like all the women that were on liquids, they weren't reducing, like they weren't like really trying to not have lots of water and go into the breatharian state. They weren't dry fasting. It was always just high liquid, which I do think is optimal. Um, whether that, I think honestly, postpartum, like raw milk and juices is like phenomenal combo. Maybe not always together at the same exact time, but throughout the day or like throughout like the week, a consistent amount of both of those, getting the fats in and, you know, lots of juice and minerals and salts and stuff like that is definitely beneficial, I would say. Yeah, I'm actually learning a lot about um, just from reading this chat about um, all of this because yeah, Aubrey's got like good Asia. Info. Yeah, nice. Looks like someone went on fruit diet for a week. And a week juicing, and it wiped out nearly all the milk. Wow, I would not have guessed that, but that's good to know. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that either. That is pretty interesting. Yeah, I would say like, especially like if you're not used to eating those diets, like again, um, pre-pregnancy is the time to make those changes. Not really right at like during or after, like right after. But um, if you are gonna switch to those things, I would say um, like you should be eating a lot if you're making a, a serious change postpartum at least fennel fennel nice. juice is fire too like fennel juice like you grind up the fennel seeds or or like how do you make fennel juice um i don't know ask aubrey she was making fennel juice for us in hawaii and shit was dang yeah fennel, fennel's got like a, a pretty like almost like a minty taste i think it's got like leaves if i'm not mistaken oh like the fennel leaves yeah i think the mm. leaves are the bulbs like some part of it the whole fennel, I see. Nice. Yeah, the recipe, fennel, basil, cucumber, green apple. Fire. Licorice. <laughs> nice. Licorice. I'm trying to Oh, work. shit, you juiced the whole thing. Yeah, it was definitely good. Yeah, mm -hmm. Akahi, Ricardo, and Camila. That's interesting. I, I learned a fair amount from them back in the day. Um, I don't really know about them because they don't like, you know, they, they say the word breatharian, but they don't look like they, they're doing too much extended fasting. Like they're not super lean and they're not super like, you know, they, they both look like they're in decent shape, but I wouldn't say they both look like they're in the breatharian state. Well, I don't even know who they are. Are they just, I know they're that? like a couple who like, like I learned like, like how to host like emotional trauma sessions from them back in the day. Huh. Nice. They're like their breath, their breath record, like breath. They call it their their breatharian healing program, which is just yeah. like guiding breath or emotional sessions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think like the um like the whole label with breatharian too. I feel like people are just like, oh, they don't eat or consume anything, which like I guess is the standard definition. But for me, it's like breatharian means just getting energy from breath. It doesn't mean you're only um, being energized I mean, on the breath. You're consuming more air than anything else all day. Think about the yeah. volume of air that goes into your body every day compared to the volume of anything else. Yeah. I mean, we're all breatharian, you know, <laughs> like, like at the end, at least, 
you know, fluctuating between like, we're just here. I don't know. We're just here having this human experience and we're just fueling ourselves with different things, whether that's energy, music, um, electricity, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm trying to find, okay. So it doesn't look more on. Yeah. So on the screen, anybody who, um, has additional questions, you can, uh, like about pregnancy or, you know, the, the menstruation stuff, um, you can email us or pretty much questions about like whatever you can email us at info at the caputo method.com. So, I yeah, I mean, I mean at this see- point we could kind of just talk about whatever, or yeah. um, we can go into the questions. I feel like none of these questions really lit me up that much. Some of the, most of them we already talked about all the ones that I yeah. liked. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, oh, there was one question on here. Like, where do you see yourself living? That's a powerful question because you know, words are spells and, might end up spellcasting some crazy stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, like personally, I'm not. So for me, like the prayer is always um, sovereignty. However, that looks like I'm not caught up with what the path looks like. I know what I want and I know um, it's sovereignty on all levels of activity. And so, um, you know, what that looks like and where I end up going, I'm not necessarily too concerned with. Um, I do want to go to different places. Um, and I've already set the intention to do so. I've been just crazy busy. Um, 2021 was just like, just on the move, on the go. Um, so I haven't been traveling as much as I have been before, but I do plan on going, um, to Hawaii, um, and some other places that just have some tropical land. It's, it's definitely gonna have to be like Costa Rica. Um, just, just somewhere really tropical. Um, because my intention is to just, yeah, yeah, exactly. My intent, like, I'm not like, even though I am consuming, you know, the raw milk right now and, um, like the bone marrow and stuff like that, I don't always plan on, on doing that. I like my, I mean, you could still do that shit in the tropics. What? Yeah. There's still still goats in Hawaii. I had my goat (laughs) milk for the first time in Hawaii. Nice. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, find, it's just you like you could find balance on both if you wanted to. You know, you the tropics is the place where you have all of the options. Yeah, yeah, that that's the thing too. My my biggest thing is weather. Um, I just don't think we're designed for winter. Honestly, I don't know. That's just me personally. I don't I, like the winter. It don't like not it. at all, not at all. <laughs> and I always feel the best when I'm out in the sun all the time. Um, and you know, here is it's a little bit, it's a little rough. Let's meet in Florida yeah. next month. I would say yeah, for, the lines. Thing for definitely for moving. Um, like where where do I see myself? I don't really see myself settling in one place. Like I don't know if I ever see myself settling in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, energy likes to move. I like to move. I don't like to stay in the same yeah. place. I feel like I stagnate when I'm anywhere for more than a couple months at a time. I'm like I gotta get the fuck out of here. So mm-hmm. that's just the way that I've been for the last couple of years, and the way that like I really don't see myself ever like changing on that. I really do like moving. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I hate traveling on planes, so I mean, I would definitely prefer to find some way to like fly private or do something else. Um, hot air balloon, the future. get like a yacht or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hot air balloon or like a blimp, right. um, something like that. Yeah. I mean, animals migrate, birds migrate, yeah. villages move like, yeah, totally Aubrey. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's no stagnation. And I mean, this is a big thing with society and what we do, like, we tend to stay in one spot and then suck the resources out of it and then go to other places to steal the resources mm-hmm. from there to go bring the resources back to the place we already depleted. And like, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, the migration is key for me. I also like to switch up diets and switch up things, you know, like to be here and be on the raw dairy in the winter and then go down to Nicaragua for a couple months and eat fruit and go to Costa Rica and go wherever and like get, you know, their different foods and their different things. Like there's different fruits in Nicaragua than Costa Rica. There's totally different climates, you know, mm. even just like, you know, you could be in the tropics, but the tropics has a lot of variety too. You know, you could be in Southeast Asia and be in tropical environment and it could be totally different. There's durian everywhere and like jackfruit compared to like, you know, the mangoes and the watermelon and the papayas mm. in, in the Caribbean um, or in Central America. So, I mean, it's it's different uh, depending on where you are. And I really see myself going all over. I also think that traveling kind of accelerates learning. You know, you see the way that people do life differently in different areas of the world. Um, I've learned a lot from people in different countries that I've been to and different places where I've lived and places that I've visited. Um, people do things differently everywhere. And it's really cool to see that and to, you know, kind of compile all of that experience and kind of tie it into what works best for you, I think. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is Cape Verde in Africa, Fab? I'd be, I'd be down for that shit. Africa's on the bucket list. Yeah. Bro. Travel on foot. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like that's that's what we had to do at one point. I think horses are cool too. Yeah. I've never – I mean, I think I did when I was like six. I rode on one of those circle things, whatever I'm it's called. I'm way more over dirt bikes these days. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> for obvious no reasons. Doubt. Yeah. My foot and whatnot. Yeah, that's uh, Fab's home country. Yeah, that could be cool, Fab. We could talk about that one day in the future. Right, that has donkeys. Yeah, I've never so, ridden I mean, a donkey either. Anything else you want to talk about? I think we I think we pretty much covered everything that we wanted to, especially like with the social media versus reality thing. Um, I think so too. Yeah. I think we're pretty uh, straight, I'm, honestly. I'm, I'm pretty straight, too. I mean, we could definitely hop on another one, like do a live. I can go on my Humanity Enlightened one, and we'll chop it up uh, on there. And if people have more questions, feel free to shoot uh, either or one of us. We could do like an IG live. Let's We could see if they let me, and we could do that and like do like a Q&A on there or something. Yeah. Yeah, Just that'll like probably. Just around and have fun. Like the podcast is pretty much, we, we did it. So everything yeah. else can, we can kind of just go for fuck sure. around if you're still feeling it. I'm with that. Um, sure. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Rob, for coming on here. Glad we finally got to do this episode. And uh, I think this topic was really good. I hope everybody enjoyed listening. And we'll see you on the next episode. This is the Grow Up in the Garden podcast. I am Nick Caputo here with Rob, Raw Being of Light. You can um, follow his Instagram, Raw Being of Light. Rob, um, anything else, anything you're offering that you want to share information about? Or where can we find you? Where can we learn more from you? Dive mm-hmm. deeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure to be here chopping it up with you. Um, no yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Robbie of Light. You can also follow my uh, business account, Humanity Enlightened. Um, on that account, I'm kind of collaborating with different people. If you have offerings or services or products and it's in alignment, we can we can see how we can promote that on that page. You can also go on my link tree, uh, which is just link tree slash human or Robbie of Light. I also have a link tree. Um, slash humanity enlightened as well that you can check out all right thank you rob for sharing that i'll put that up on here too just so everyone can see enlightened okay there it is and that's the same spelling for the instagram correct correct yep all right yeah thank you everybody again we got four more episodes left for season one of this podcast 
So if you have any recommendations or um, requests for who I should bring on for these last four episodes, you can feel free to send me a message or um, yeah, DM me or uh, maybe I'll do like a story on Instagram and let people make suggestions. So uh, yeah, much love, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Peace. Peace.